You're listening to the Arcade Worlds podcast, where we're chatting all things gaming. Good morning, good afternoon, where we are, good evening, wherever, whatever time you end up watching us. Uh, this is the Arcade Vaults uh, podcast from the Arcade Vaults. Live from the Arcade Vault. Well, Which, not, not live, it's recording. I mean, not you know, live. It's you know not what I mean? You know, but you want it'll to feel live because yeah. the things that go wrong when it's live will happen here as well. Yeah. So it'll feel live to you. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 13. Um, it's the first one where we've been able to be in person and do yeah. it, which is fun. Um, second one from the arcade. No, third one from the second, arcade. Box. Uh, second one for the arcade box because oh, I was yeah, here last week. Yeah, that was uh, downstairs. So yeah, you're watching the arcade box podcast. Um, if you've been here before, welcome back. If you've not been here before, welcome first time. Um, we talk about video games. We talk about the biggest news stories of the week. Things like DC fandom that's been going on. Which oh yeah, we'll get into and things like that. Um, I'm Tom. This is Chris. Hello. And as always, we have our we have our revolving guest. And this week, welcome, Matt. Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Matt. Shall I do a little introduction? Or yeah, yeah. yeah. Introduce yourself, yeah. Matt. Sorry. We're, I, yeah. It's adjusting. It's, <laughs> we're, we're adjusting. It feels yeah. So weird. Like it's, it's we're, we're, done. It's changed yeah. where we're sat and everything's thrown off. I know. Introduce yourself, Matt. <laughs> Take some time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. No. Um. So yeah, I've, I've worked in. Um, I'm a game developer, a concept artist, or visual development artist, some people call me, uh, for about four or five years now, and um, worked on a bunch of smaller games, uh, nothing too popular, it's a couple of mobile games, I suppose, a couple of um, um, Egyptian projects, something in America, something in China. I worked for Terrible nice. Posture, I worked for IGG, a little bit for Riot, a little bit for Ubisoft. Ooh. Um, there's, there's, there's my prospect games. There's, there's a there's a long list of uh, vendors that I've worked for. I, I, um, cool. I was gonna say I remember when you said you were, you did work for Ubisoft. I got very excited. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. I got more excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah, uh, loads of games out there. I suppose I currently have a game on the Epic um, storefront, which is okay. which is quite exciting. It's, uh, it was a free game a couple of weeks ago. It's called uh, Three Out of Ten Cats. I think I did the uh, promotional for that one. It's a very colourful kind of stylized okay. game, very very me. And no, that was that was really nice. But uh, yeah, apart from that, I'm working on a. Um, it's up on the screen right now, so I'm looking at it right now as I'm <laughs> as I'm working. Uh, but it's uh, like a stylized farming simulator to be released on the Switch in Ooh. 2022, early 2022, something like that. Nice. Uh, very, very cool. I'm very proud of it so far. It's it's, it's going very well. It's uh, it's exciting. Awesome. But yeah, awesome. that's 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 me basically. See, you're one of the people like I find. It used to be when I was around film and stuff, it's like, cool, I kind of know what they do. They just do it better than me. When you get to video games, there's like people like you that are like artistically, I've seen a lot of your stuff on Twitter and things, and it's really, really cool. Yeah. Like programs and things, where as soon as I see what you guys do, I'm like, I have no idea. I, even if I wanted to, I don't think I could do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say the same. I'm, it's, it, it, you, I, I love your stuff, Matt. It's way beyond any. Like, I, 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 we all like to dabble in a few things, yeah, right? Yeah. I couldn't. There's not even. I'm not even in the same like city as you're da- dabbling in the same city as you right now. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm dabbling all over the place. I know. I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> 
but no, thanks. Um, much. No, thank you. No, you should definitely go. Um, Twitter is where I found most of your stuff, right? Do you have anywhere that people can find your work and things if they wanted to look for it? Um, ArtStation seems to be the most popular, but um, Instagram, Twitter, um, a bit of anything really. Yeah, it's um, I can I can send links. To we'll, people yeah, we'll put links in the, in the yeah, description definitely. and stuff. Yeah, but if you if you're into if you're into video games, if you're into art, if you're into stuff that looks cool and pretty and awesome, then then go check that stuff out. Um, but you're gonna be here with us for the entirety of the podcast, which is really awesome. Um, yeah, not just not just for the intro. Oh, yeah, not for the intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah no, you're not going. That's it. Bye, Matt. Thanks, thanks, Yeah, next to the intro. <laughs> See you later. Cool. If it jumped there, it's because we we fluffed that up something awful. But without further ado, we're going to go into the top stories for this week. Right. Amazing. There we go. See, we can do it. Yeah, we seem, can do seamless it. it takes a couple of It's tries. a seamless transition. No one knows a no thing. No one knows. Yeah. We have graphics, so it's like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're all good. We're all good. <laughs> uh, so, top stories. Um, there's a lot going on. Um, all kinds of crazy things going on. Um, we mentioned at the top that DC fandom has happened. We're going to get into that a little bit later on. Uh, but the big one this week was... Um, Oculus and Facebook. So the mm. links, as always, with our top stories, they'll all be in the kind of description at the bottom. Um, the one that I've got up here, uh, this is a Eurogamer piece that we've got up. Uh, so it was written by Matt Wales. Um, essentially, Oculus have... I don't know if it's gone full yet, but they pretty much removed the base Oculus login. You're now expected to be signing into Oculus. And this is for new users. With Facebook. For, for new, new users, users. yeah. Yep. Um, what have you seen about it? Uh, yeah, it's so uh, in, for the next two years, all new users uh, coming to Oculus have to have a Facebook uh, login. They have to sign in via their Facebook account. Even if you haven't got a Facebook account, you have to set up a Facebook account to do it. And then in two years' time, they're going to close off uh, the normal login. Um, and uh, so, well, they say that that it's 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 all a bit still a bit vague and you know fluffy. But they're saying. Uh, if you don't use a Facebook login, you will lose functionality. Whatever that functionality is, they haven't defined, but yeah. it's it's a little bit... Which, if I remember, when this acquisition first happened, they said specifically, don't worry, we're not going to do that. Uh, actually, Palmer, Palmer Lucky... Is it Lucky? Does he say that? It's, 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 that's his name, isn't it? Lucky. So, yeah. He actually says... I, I always think, how can someone be called Lucky? It's got to be, <laughs> yeah. it's gotta be pronounced... Lu- Lucy, or you know, lucky. it feels like you're tempting fate yeah. if you call yourself lucky. lucky. Yeah. I guess yeah. Well, anyway, so he he specifically said, and uh, that um, yeah, we you know, this will never happen. It'll, Facebook will never be a requirement for that. And then he's left, and basically, I think uh, about some point last year, the last of the original Oculus board have all gone now. Yeah. So it's basically no one from the original. And I know. I wonder if that's why they've suddenly gone. Okay. Well, there's no one left to say no. Yeah, there's no one left to say no. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I don't, I, so I'm not, I don't use Oculus a huge amount. Obviously, we have mm. um, you know people that come into the arcade and stuff and work with us, yeah. and, and they use Oculus and things. We have people that come and bring their Oculus sets with us, which is really cool. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with it. So it's one of those, like, I don't know what this is going to be like from a user perspective. It doesn't sound great, though. I mean, Matt, do you, have you had a lot of experience with Oculus and stuff? I've had exactly zero percent experience with Oculus. Really, fair enough. It's it's not it's not my thing really. I, I'm um, I'll be honest. I, I don't know a lot about it really. But all I know is that if I wanted one, I have Facebook. So yeah. <laughs> I guess it's not particularly going to be a problem for me. But I, no, to be honest, it's not something that I um, 
invest in even now or even possibly in the future i, I associate mm. it with even though i know it's not going to be i assume it's going to be the future i associate it with the gimmicks of uh, uh, of years gone by like uh, project natal and, and connect and things like that you know <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. the same thing but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know yeah. it's it's um it, yeah i associate with something like that for a long while until i'm going to get invested in it so um if i still have a facebook when i'm 56 then maybe then i'll i'll care <laughs> <laughs> well but this is an interesting thing all right because actually I know there's been a bit of backlash against Facebook recently. A lot of people have got rid of their accounts. Um, most people who probably will get an Oculus Rift will have a Facebook account. Um, so I was really surprised to see the uproar, the absolute uproar. And I get it, I get it, but I'm also a little bit like, uh, also, maybe yeah, it's, it's not that bad. It's, 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 it's not a surprise. Even if they said... It was never going to happen. Of course, it was going to happen. Facebook wouldn't. Facebook well, we wouldn't know buy full it. well when they said this will never happen. It was the entire industry going sure, yeah, yeah. sure, it'll <laughs> yeah, happen. exactly. We knew it was going to happen. Of course, it was going yeah. to happen. And I think, especially I've, after over the last few years, especially, uh, and we'll get into our next story in a second, which is not a little bit more, but more and more of these big companies, your your Apples and Facebooks and Googles and Amazon, slowly realizing ah, we we have to hit on this market. Obviously. Mix are going away mm-hmm. and redirecting everyone not back to Twitch but to Facebook and Facebook gaming. That's where a lot of those users went. That's where they wanted a lot of those users to go. Mm. I don't think it panned out like that. But Facebook want Facebook want to be a player in that market. Yeah, it is Facebook, one of the biggest companies in the world. They want to be a player in every market. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it just feels sort of inevitable that it was going to happen. Yeah, I mean the one thing that does it does get me is I think Oculus still has a really high barrier for entry just in terms of price. Mm, they, they are the top end, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and yeah. Facebook have always, you know, they've, they've only ever succeeded in that casual market. And so it does make me think, mm. okay, well, if it's the kind of people that are running off this now that are going, well, we need to do this stuff, do we see more accessible? Because Oculus still isn't widely adopted. I think even though the PSVR came out later, it still sold considerably higher than Oculus. Uh, the, and the Vive and as Oculus, well, I think. Right? And the Vives as yeah. well. Um, I think, yeah, I think, I, again, I'm more familiar with the PSVR and to some extent the Vive now yeah. than I am with Oculus. All I know is I think Oculus have been a driving force behind VR. They're probably the main reason why the tech is yeah. where it is. Yeah, I think that. Sure. So, I, I guess maybe that's their niche. They're they're the, they're the innovators. Yeah. Or they were, and maybe they want to stay at the top end. I don't know. Though. This Facebook well, doesn't seem like they, it's that's con- what I mean. Yeah, it seems it seems a little bit all over the place to me. If if you're the innovators, if you're the and they're not the high high end, that was that was fine, really, wasn't it? Well, yeah, the, but now Depending they're not. No, but, yeah, because yeah. Vive have now come in at the bottom, haven't they? Yeah. Whereas, do you so still- I think it's it's just such a weird. It's still new, so we're still having to work out where exactly Oculus fits. Like you said, Matt, like you've not even really used a huge amount of VR, right? I mean, not at all. Not even the PS um, VR at all, really. I'm, it's yeah. it's so. Um, I don't know who's the market for, really. I, I really don't know who the market is for. I know you have uh, one in the one in the arcade vaults, right? We so, do. Yeah. Um, yeah. How often is that? How often is that used? It's to it's go slightly off tangent. Pre 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 lockdown, it was requested more than anything, and we only just got a, a permanent vibe set up in because before our PS VR setup was a bit of a roaming thing. We put it out when we had the space. Now we put up a permanent vibe setup, but now we can't use it. Well, we can, but we haven't practically worked out how to do it. So yeah. um, I know that we had some people coming in uh, from Playframe, Tom, 
I got another Tom from Playframe came in, <laughs> coming regularly to run events, and um, there was some, there were some other aspects to VR which were always quite popular. Just to go off on a tangent, like uh, painting, you used to do a lot of virtual three D painting, which was really popular uh, amongst some classes. So you know that there is there is a market for it, and people are interested. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's the thing that gets me is it feels like if Facebook are willing to do this, and again we we go nuts about Facebook because they're one of the big players, right? But they're not idiots. They're, yeah. they, they're running one of the biggest companies in the world. They know what they're doing. Yeah. They wouldn't have done this without taking into consideration who they're upsetting and what the knock-on effect of that will be. Yeah. You know, it feels yeah. like they would have gone, we are going to upset those diehards. That's going to be fun. That's not where we are now. And mm. is this a different direction? I don't know. It's interesting. Like, I, I wasn't aware that so much of the original board of directors had gone and, yeah. and that it had changed around so much. Yeah, they have moved. Um, it's... it's uh... I, I don't know. I, I, for me personally, I, one, I don't own an Oculus. Two, I have Facebook and I haven't got the issues with Facebook that a lot of people do. So for me, it's a bit of a non, non-story. It's, like, yeah. it's, uh, it's not surprising. It's not unexpected. Yeah. But the reaction has been so visceral. That's the big surprise. And I guess for all those reasons, people, people are... I don't know. They, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't understand it. Maybe it's my age. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't understand it is what I'm trying to say. I don't understand yeah. the reaction. I do. I do. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, I get it. I get that there are going to be Oculus users out there that probably felt like they were under attack a little bit as well. So, so I can appreciate that. But it's the reality of a buyout like this. As soon as Facebook get their hands on it, you're like, cool, this is going to be used for whatever Facebook needs it to mm. be useful going forward you know exactly yeah it's a big company getting involved that that's what i think it is more than anything it's a big company that's getting involved in something that matters a lot to a relatively small group of people and when they're upset they're very very loud yeah. and almost like i had planned that transition <laughs> um this fortnight iphone situation continues and it continues to go on mm-hmm. um as always i've got to be careful what i say in this bit um <laughs> but uh so Fortnite iPhones are now being sold on eBay for crazy amounts of money. Um, so the headline that we've got here is on eBay, people are selling iPhones with Fortnite installed for thousands of pounds extra. Um, so it's Wesley and Paul, who's uh, a great writer over at Eurogamer. Um, he's got that article up. What What do we think? I I, I know. I, you know, we we talked about this extensively last week, and I know you you've got. You know, not necessarily want to touch it. So I don't want to go into the details of um, the argument itself. I'm just my mind just is blown specifically about why people think that they can get away with selling an an already top end phone. So one of the phones here um, is um, this. This is this is ridiculous. I'm sure no one's going to buy this. This is an uh, an iPhone 11 Pro, uh, 512 meg gig. Sorry, with Fortnite installed. The price that is listed at is nine. Thousand nine hundred and ninety nine pounds. That's madness. There's that's madness. No one is going to buy it because you can just go on eBay and look. And even says in the comments in the article, you can just look at all the um, uh, the sold listings. No one sold any of these things. The most someone has sold an iPhone for with Fortnite installed is three hundred and fifty quid or something like that. And to be honest with you, that's probably because they were buying the phone and just happened to have Fortnite on it. I don't imagine people are specifically going out to buy this because. If I'm honest, when this gets resolved, and it will, some form or the other, it will get resolved. Everyone who spent ten thousands of pounds on the phone are going to look like right idiots, <laughs> and so no one's going to do it. 
Um, I say that, but then th- this is mirroring what happened with Flappy Bird, right? People are talking about Flappy Bird. I was Bird. just about to say, and it's, yeah. the thing that gets me about it, and I, yeah, like I said, so full disclaimer, so I, I have ties and I work with Apple, um, so I, I work in a kind of retail environment with them, so I've got to be careful what I say and things, um, but the thing that I think is really sad is that there will be people that will buy iPhones like this, not realising that to get their hands on an iPhone with that software installed, there needs to be an Apple ID account on it. Yeah, there needs it won't to be an Yeah, They need to have passwords for things. They're probably buying a phone that in two months' time, somebody, in two weeks' time, somebody's going to sell that phone and go, well, now I've got my new phone. They'll log into Apple ID and they go, well, I don't want that on there. And they'll remove that phone. And, and then they, they could end up with a locked to... phone, a bricked phone completely. And I don't think people well, are aware of that. And Not can... to mention the fact that Fortnite is still rolling out updates. Yeah, exactly. So on two fronts, if they haven't got access to the account where Fortnite was installed, they can't play Fortnite. They can't be able to use it. And Fortnite is going to be updated. Yeah. As soon as it's updated, it's ridiculous. People are ridiculous. At least Flappy Bird was just like a, a one-off, you know, yeah. fla- oh, this is my Flappy it's- Bird impression. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a weird process of like buying hardware deliberately. Because we've been buying hardware as like gamers, as computer users, whatever. As soon as you get hardware with software baked in, normally that's you going, oh my God, I don't want to deal with most of this stuff. Now uninstall, you're actively, uninstall. Yeah, now you're actively buying hardware because that software is installed on it. It's but like, it, it's, it feels like it's deliberately taking advantage of, and it is definitely people going, I'll have a crack. Who knows? So, someone someone might, yeah, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know what? Actually, in some ways, you can almost not blame them for trying. It's, it's, you've got to look at the people who are actually buying them and actually yeah. have a look at those people and think, you're the idiots. Sorry. But anyway, <laughs> are, you, are you into Fortnite at all, Matt? Are you... I've, I've dabbled in Fortnite a little bit. I, I've played it once or twice. Um, you basically covered all the points I wanted to make that, yeah, it, would, <laughs> it reminds you of Flappy Bird, what happens when the software gets updated and stuff, of course, because they patch these things regularly, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And like you said, as soon as the Apple ID, because um, they're all connected, right? There's, there's a correlation between all of them. So as soon as you get that and someone else gets it, so yeah, the phone's bricked. Um, I'd just like to know what happened to those Flappy Bird phones, really. I'd like to see what they're going for now, because it's been <laughs> a couple of years. So I'd actually genuinely want to like, open up a new tab and see how much they're going for, because although... I doubt that got a software update afterwards. I can't be sure, but it, well, it was the fact that it was. I can, I have a phone here that has Flappy Bird on it. Do you have Flappy Bird on your phone still? Yeah, because Ooh, Flappy hello. Bird... Oh, Flappy, it carries over from your Flappy backup, Bird is it? carried over from your backup. So I have Flappy Bird on my OnePlus phone, which is like only a few weeks old. Um, I oh say that. Where is it? Where is it? Come on, Flappy Bird. Don't let me down. <laughs> like, I was just, just reading through the article as well. Yeah, I didn't realise people are still selling PlayStation 4s. That had um, PT installed. So oh, do you yeah. remember like the playable trailer? Oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. the kind of prequel, or not prequel, like the, well, the trailer, right? For Silent yeah. Hills. Which like, I, how much are they going for? Uh, those, <laughs> those, those actually apparently sell quite well. People are really... Well, because that is like, that hardware has that game on it. And as far as we're aware, that game exists nowhere else other than sketchy Konami HQ. Where they yeah. do gross Konami things is all I can think. Flappy <laughs> Bird is not in my backups. Why is Flappy Bird not? In my are you are you devastated? Oh. You don't have Flappy Bird anymore. I, I have. He's running his mouth so proud. I'm still having Flappy Bird. I just uninstalled. I had. I always keep. You always keep your old phones for a while, right? Ooh. And I just cleared my old phone out literally three days ago. Oh no, I haven't got it anymore. Oh. 
This is big podcast news. I am devastated. (laughs) Because Flappy Bird, Flappy Bird is still the perfect sitting on the sitting on the Lou game for five minutes. (laughs) It is. It is absolutely. So those PlayStation 4s with PT installed, they're going for about 750 to 850 pounds. Still. Yeah, still. Just to get it. And there is probably an element of that Kojima factor where part of me is like, well, it's Kojima though. I'll pay it. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm a fool like that. But no, I wouldn't pay that much for PlayStation 4. That'd be crazy. No. And especially with a new generation coming out. And then they, have you ever, sorry to digress, but there's a really good remake of that game. On PC available for free. Yeah, I think some people had remade that in. Oh, what's it called? The Media Molecule thing. Uh, Dreams. Dreams. Yeah, somebody had remade it in Dreams there and stuff. As well. there's a, someone's always out there for a remake. So we're all good. Dreams, Dreams don't get enough credit, man. When you were thinking about the uh, the HTC Vive painting thing, so Dreams do a really cool like VR PlayStation Move like sculpting thing where you can sculpt oh, yeah. your own models for characters using the move controllers and things. It's crazy. Yeah, Dreams is one where like when that was being made, I was like, oh, it's going to be so cool, and then I. It's just and part of the problem, I suppose. I just never played it. <laughs> well, yeah, I've never, I've never touched it either. It's, it's dreams just exists for me. But anyway, yeah, yeah um, but yeah, don't don't spend money, silly money, on a Fortnite iPhone. Please don't. Please Honestly, don't. instead of spending a grand on that, you could go and spend one hundred and fifty pounds for literally any other mobile device, and just you could buy a money. Switch for about just invest in Welsh indie games, I suppose. Or, or buy, yeah, or buy, yeah, 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 stuff, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Fortnite's free on so many platforms. Why would you just buy it anyway? Oh, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. Why would you want to play it on a mobile regardless? Well, exactly. yeah. There is that. There is that question. Absolutely. Well, you can play it on so many different machines as well. Like, it runs on literally everything. Exactly. Why would you... Anyway. You can plug screens into a potato. Get, I'm sure I, it'll run. I feel, I feel my temperature <laughs> rising. I'm getting yeah. stressed thinking about it. Um, cool. So the next big story... So I... Have never been a huge adopter of this game. I've never really got it. Me neither. Um, but we've got the link as always in the description. Um, so it's a gamesindustry.biz article. It's uh, Matthew Handran, who has app. Um, Microsoft Flight Simulator has come out. All I'm hearing is really, really good things. It's incredible. Which is baffling because I'm like, what? What? <laughs> like, this, this is like it. the people exactly. who like who play oh, yeah. these games really like these games. <laughs> Well, this this blows yeah. my mind. I've ne- I, I've I've seen sim- flight simulator before. But I played flight simulator. I won't lie. Back in the early days, one of the reasons why I pulled down on a joystick to go up is because I started playing. It's the normal thing to do. <laughs> anyway, speaking of face, but um, this they're talking about this game being contender of the year. Oh, sorry, contender for game of yeah, the year, yeah, yeah. Uh, and th- that puts it on par with like. Yeah, yeah, Animal Crossing and you, you're the last of you're the last of us, uh, which yeah. is obviously the last of us was the is the the forerunner, really, front runner, really, and now suddenly like so, yeah. this game has come along and everyone's going, this is amazing. The critical census is amazing, and it's not. We don't often talk about specific games, but I think this was just it was worth bringing up because it's just it looks it looks gorgeous. It does look amazing. Uh, it do, does look nice. Do you play Flight Sims? You in you know. Uh, me, um, uh, no, I really don't. I don't play uh, any simulators at all, really. But it, it, it doesn't really surprise me because every time I've looked on Steam at the top sales, Farming Simulator 17 has been there for about four years now, isn't it? So, so I guess there's a market out there. And it's quite a big one. It's quite a big Or at least you'd imagine if I was to make an assumption that it is an older market uh, and a market that has a lot more expendable cash. Yeah, I guess, yeah. 
So possibly, I mean, I mean, they because they are expensive, right? Aren't they like they're in the high end of uh, of games, right? They're forty, fifty, Sims, 60. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, they're 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 not games in the traditional sense, right? No, but they're no. they're priced as full price games because just the same amount of work goes into them, if not more, in some ways. Because mm. uh, if anyone's not aware of this game, Flight Simulator has had it's the the big thing about this game is they've basically modelled the entire planet, right? Yeah. Uh, you know what I just did think as well? As you're thinking about something, like, I think the reality of that game from a technical perspective is actually pretty impressive. That they've literally mapped the world. It's like, yeah, if you, if you want to fly from like LA to like Tokyo, then you take off, you pull up the landing gears, and then you flick on autopilot and you sit there playing Flappy Bird waiting to get to Tokyo, as far as I can tell. Like, it is, you just yeah. make that journey like you would in, in real time. I, I think it's quite interesting. Because like you said, that it feels like it appeals to a market. And I think it's easy as well for us to all go, why is it such a big deal? And then forget that the video game bubble of people who make who make video games and who talk about video games and who set up podcasts to talk about, we're not the general public. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not no. the wider market. But also it's the fact that this is the... F- yeah, it's the first flight simulator game that's gone up on Game Pass, right? Because this is available it's on, on Game, game Pass. Pass. Is it Game Pass as so well? So it's not out on Xbox yet, but it's available via Game Pass on PC. Wow. So if you've got Game Pass on PC, for if you are lucky people that have got like a pound a month Game Pass Ultimate subscription, which was going for a while, it's dirt cheap to get into it. Wow. So I think the adoption rate is going to be really huge. And for the people who, who care, they seem to think like, yeah, this is a really good entry. Which is at a time where Xbox seem to be struggling for first party exclusives of any real quality, they've got one in flight a simulator. simulator. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's yeah. mind boggling. I, I still can't get Go on, sorry. Sorry, I was just because I do need specific hardware for that. Well, I imagine it's adaptable to the keyboard, to the controller, but I assume the, the point of a simulator is to simulate the reality, right? And and that used to be in with the joysticks that you had um, in, in yeah. the early days, I imagine. I assume that's the same prime source of hardware that you would need to play it. To I think the hardware would be expensive, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, because you do, it would. I think from what I understand, you, you can also get like the... The, the the levers that go on the side that you pull up and down the levers, lever switches and things, things yeah thing and stuff. so I think I think you could probably go full immersion if you wanted to uh, mm. the, I think there's rumours of a VR version as well uh, that wouldn't surprise which, me which yeah, would makes a lot of sense because then you're actually looking around your yeah. cockpit of yeah. your different planes I mean I guess the the, the excitement isn't just the landscapes though because you are getting to fly these different different planes in different ways and. <laughs> I just had a... Do, do either of you two watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I, I do not. No. 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 Okay, so that's maybe a bad example. You've both <laughs> seen Bridesmaids? I have a long time ago, yeah. yeah. So I'm imagining you in VR trying to fly a plane and be like, I'm just here flying my plane and then you having to live through the fear of like that scene in Bridesmaids where she's proper hammered and causing a ruckus on the plane. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can hear from the background using 3D audio, I'm ready, you know, power. <laughs> <laughs> like the full, like, this is so, a flight so, you know, Yeah, yeah. This... <laughs> yeah. Is, that, is that what the experience is, though? Can you get out, out of the cockpit and, and go down? And, I don't, no? I don't oh. imagine so, but that would be a it very really interesting... Cool. You're not just, you're not just um, a pilot... You're a, a commercial airline pilot, so you got to greet the customers as they come in and say hi to them, <laughs> oh, you know. And you yeah, got to exactly. give little kids a tour of the of the 
That sounds really weird. <laughs> 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 I guess, uh, we went from that subject. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's like, are you going to follow? You know what? For people who struggle with like public speaking and things, having to use Flight Simulator to do over the Tannoy announcements, <laughs> I am your pilot and today we'll be flying over <laughs> from like... The best, the best ones will be when you're flying like uh, Ryanair to like Tenerife or something like that, and you got to like get the get everyone going and put you playing dance. Do you have you been on a? No, these I've planes never are horrible. That sounds they, awful. But they play, they play like proper like dance music on the on the thing to try and everyone get hyped up. And, when you, you know, said a flight to Ryanair, I literally imagined, oh, the film one's going to be where you literally get to go. I'm your captain. Sit down. Shut up. We'll be there in a couple of hours, <laughs> and that's it. That's your that's your premium experience through Ryanair. <laughs> yeah. Um, it uh, seems like it's doing really well. Like is, I'm, yeah. I'm happy for them. Like Microsoft and Xbox need something to kind of go on. Um, it's weird that it's Flight Simulator, but it's been a rough time for Xbox as well. So yeah, um, yeah. I think it being a game of the year, it has the benefit of yeah, it's come out in a, in the midst of a global pandemic where yeah, but... have been delayed and games haven't come out. But even so, it's not. It's throwing punches with some big players. Final Fantasy VII remakes in there. Last of Us Two's in there. It's Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, and yeah, that, that, that'll be in the game of the year discussion for sure. Animal mm. Crossing's in there. Like, I'm making a face for uh, for some regular Arcade Vaults team members um, who will know that I have strong feelings in Final Fantasy. We'll talk about this another day. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, it's a it's a big one for this year, um, is. which is exciting, um, and also. Onto, I guess, the big story. Um, so DC fandom has been happening um, over this weekend. So it's a big, from what I can figure, it's what would have been things like your E3 announcements, Gamescom announcements, and San Diego Comic-Con announcements. Obviously, All those events haven't happened. So DC yeah. have instead said, cool, we're not doing them at these events. We're going to have our own, um, similar to what we've seen from PlayStation and Nintendo Directs and things, we're going to do it ourselves. Um, so there was a lot of movie stuff in there. Um, you can find it all on DC's uh, YouTube channel. But most importantly, from a video game perspective, we finally got news of the Rocksteady game. So Rocksteady being the team that did the Arkham Asylum, City, and Night games. Mm-hmm. And then Arkham Origins was actually done by a team called Warner Brothers Montreal, who also debuted a different game as well. Um, so we'll start off with Warner Brothers Montreal, because they're an interesting studio. They showed off uh, Gotham Knights, which looks to me like it's a multiplayer sort of equivalent of what the Arkham series would have been. Um, it looks kind of cool, I think. Like the Arkham Asylum games, well, the Arkham series in general was really great. I know Origins gets battered a little bit because it wasn't as yeah. tight as some of the other ones, but also you're a team being brought in to work on a franchise that is like groundbreaking in a lot of ways. Like those Arkham games, especially like Asylum, Every other action game now plays like a Batman game because of it. Like it was really groundbreaking in a lot of ways. So they get battered a little bit, but it seems like they've been handed the bat mantle. There's no Batman in it. You're going to be Robin. You're going to be Batgirl. You're going to be Red Hood and uh, Nightwing, which is really cool. Um, did you guys see it? What do you think of it? What are your feelings? After mm. you, Matt. Uh, sure. Um, well, I, I I did see it. I um, and I and I think we'll talk about this later in my topic, but. Uh, to me, it just looked all the same. The rest is every other game that comes out that's AAA. To me, it just looked the same. It had the same level of texture, same level of fidelity. To me, I didn't see any gameplay at all. So whenever you're going off a, uh, a trailer that is purely aesthetic, and this was just hype, you know, the music was there for the hype. Yeah. Right? It was just, it, there was no gameplay in the trailer, right? So to me, when you're looking at that, I'm judging it solely on that, and it just looks like everything else. Everything's blacked out and foggy. Everything's gritty and realistic. And to me, it, it it's... Uh, cumbersome and boring now a little bit to see all of it being the same thing all the time 
Uh, apart from that, I mean, I, I praise the art team for what they did. Technologically, it looks amazing. It does look amazing. The visual effects, the shaders that work, that's, that's all great. But to me, having not seen the gameplay, then I assume it's just going to be a lot like the Batman series, and that's fine with me. But um, it doesn't particularly interest me, I guess, is the way it's... It did, it, it, I, I wasn't on, I didn't jump on the train, <laughs> now, so to speak. I would be inclined to agree with you from the other angle. I think I'm much more excited about the other game we'll talk about in a minute yeah. than I am about this one. Because to me, it's like, Batman isn't, Batman doesn't interest me in gaming terms as much as it used to because it's been played over and over again. So the, the, the gameplay itself, I like the idea that they're, they're switching to the Bat family, so to speak. But I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's kind of it's just a co-op version of... And, and you know, there's reasons to be excited about it. But yeah, from the gameplay point of view, it looks kind of the same to me. Yeah. So I'm not that excited about this game, I've got to say. I find it a bit of a double-edged sword that after four games, and again, it's, it's not their fault, but Rocksteady, with what they did with those Arkham games, they've influenced every other action RPG out there now. So, so many games do what they do already. That if you're putting out another one of these games now, it's like, oh, not only are we doing another version of one of our games, we're doing now a almost parody of one of our games in the context of every other game in the market, which is already difficult to overcome. Mm. I like me, I'm a big Batman nerd. So you can watch Batman and I'm like, cool, I'm in. Like Nightwing's cool. Like Robin looks pretty awesome. So I'll play it for the sake of it being a Batman thing, but I'm not expecting anything mind-blowing from it. And I kind of feel for them, because to an extent, they could fall into that trap. Oh, well, what if, to try and do something different, what if, what if we don't do Batman? I'm like, okay. The struggle <laughs> with trying to sell a Batman game without Batman is that you don't have Batman. <laughs> so I don't yeah, know what yeah. that's going to do to sell it. Kind of, yeah, it feels, well. it, it definitely feel, I definitely have mixed feelings for that angle. Yeah. I like, I like, that's probably the thing I like the most about it. But then at the same time, probably the thing I like the least it, about it. It's what I like about it, but I was going to play this game anyway. I'm worried about what it does to mum and dad buying games on the shelves and things like that. Like what it does I, in terms of sales. Are they suddenly going to end up with an okay game that's a little bit uninspired, but also doesn't sell very well because people don't say Nightwing as often as they do Batman? Well, then there's, there's that push for Titans at the moment, and I think that the TV show... I think whether whether some I feel like there's the, a lot of these decisions have also come from higher up in one of us because you mentioned the the art style Matt, and actually you're right dark and gritty seems to be like the thing in yeah. all of DC's media really and I you, you got to think that that's come from somewhere above they're like let's go dark gritty let's yeah. you know let's push let's push the Titans and Nightwing out there. And that's, you know, some decisions obviously are good, some decisions are bad, but you know, I, I, I'm with you on the yeah. art style. It doesn't, doesn't interest me, it, it, which is one of the reasons why the Suicide Squad does interest me because someone has gone and put up. So this, this is what's really interesting to me. So as I understand it, cause I've, I've kept tabs and I've been waiting on what Rocksteady have been doing for a while because they were working on a Suicide Squad game, then they weren't working on it, then they were doing a Batman game. Or oh, Superman Owls, game, wasn't and it? And it was going to be a Superman game, yeah. and then it wasn't a Superman game, it was a whole Justice League game. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of come to fruition as, as something else. And, well, it's like, come to, am, they've all come true in some ways. Well, yeah, like they, they all have. But then it feels to me a little bit like like Warner Brothers Montreal seemed to... like They were definitely working on a Suicide Squad game at one point. At some point throughout development, there's been a switcheroo and it seems like Warner Brothers has gone, well, 
you're not Rocksteady. You haven't sold Batman numbers. You've sold Batman numbers, right? So there's been a bit of a switch. I assume because Rocksteady have said, actually, we would like to do that. And that's where the switch has happened, I'm guessing. If if we're going to touch on just on the Suicide Squad game, from what I understand... Uh, the the plots that was going through the Arkham series, the Rocksteady Arkham yeah. series, I think is being followed on yeah, in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, which so, somebody had put a really good screenshot online of it was the developer being like, Suicide Squad is still in the Arkhamverse, and then it was a picture of the <laughs> Deadshot in this game, and then Deadshot from I think Arkham City, totally different designs, totally different, <laughs> style, completely different people, and it's that picture of Thor being like, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, on Gotham Knight, I, I hope that it's going to be okay. I think it's going to be very savvy. I think it's going to be middle of the road. Mm-hmm. They're doing stuff with Court of Owls, which if you're a Batman nerd, is a big, big deal. Like, that is interesting. Yeah, yeah, so it's like Scott Snyder worked on a series called Court of Owls, and it's some of the best Batman stuff that we've had in the last 20 years almost, I'd say. Um, so that's really exciting, but I don't know, I don't know where the legs are. Um, but after that day, we then had Rocksteady coming out and showing us Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League which is their new game. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts. I, I have thoughts. So, you know, the Suicide Squad as a, as a group has never really interested me. Um, this, this determined push from Warner Brothers to make it, from the whole DC world, on the TV shows, on the, in the cinematic world, I'm like, oh, really, there's, there's, there's better stories to be told but you know what? This is the first Suicide Squad thing that I've seen. And let's forget the fact that Suicide Squad 2 is coming out. Or no, was it? It's the Suicide it's Squad. It's the Suicide Squad, yeah. The, the film. Like I'm, 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 kind of, I'm kind of ignoring that for the moment. <laughs> I've pushed it into the back of my mind. I don't, you know, I have other feelings about yeah. that. Uh, but this game interests me. And I don't know why. It's the idea of the Justice League potentially going bad. So if you haven't seen the trailer... Um, the kind of basic plot is something's happened to the Justice League. Yeah, and... so, the, so the trailer opens up with a big, looks like a kind of skull that's crash-landed. It's it's Brainiac, who's a big Superman villain. Mm-hmm. He's all purpley and stuff and does bad things. You have a bit of banter with the Suicide Squad, you have a little bit of action, and then the trailer closes with Superman flying in, holding a person, he has big purple eyes, and then he kills someone. So I guess the, the plot of the game is pretty much Brainiac's here, he's made the Justice League go bad, you're the only ones left, go kill the Justice League. Mm. Which is kind of a cool premise Yeah. Um, on the surface of it. I mean, I'd be very interested to hear what you think about it, Matt, because the one thing that gets me from Roxy's perspective is they do dark and gritty and wet and damp and rainy very, very well. Yeah. This is a complete departure from that, visually. Yeah, Yeah. it reminded me half of... Well, it, I liked it slightly more than uh, the, the... What was it? Batman... Um, Gotham Knights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like this slightly more than that. Um, only because the visuals, they exaggerated stuff, right? The um, the color was exaggerated. The form and the character designs would exaggerate. Again, yeah. we didn't see any gameplay, so we don't really know what that's going to be like. And the idea, the premise there is, um, is is fairly interesting. But the the whole visuals were at least it was a little bit brighter, right? It was yeah. kind of reminds me a lot what uh, Valorant clinging to Overwatch's um, shaders yeah. and textures, right? They just want everything to pop because people like when stuff pop right Fortnite's doing so well it, uh, and that's so colorful so bright and stuff it doesn't necessarily have to appeal to um to a younger audience because the the the, the premise and the story and the direction is quite mature mm-hmm. well, compared to Fortnite, i suppose <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah you know so um so yeah i liked it slightly more than that but again i feel like the same things are happening the same kind of um 
triple A um, mouth muscle models that you know you can clearly tell that it's a model. You know, there's no hyper realism there. If you're going to go one, go go with one or go with the other. Yeah. But I just I just feel yeah, speaking visually as I always do, it 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 doesn't appeal to me as much again. I just want someone to push things even further. I want it to push it even more and just get creative with it. I, I suppose we'll talk about that. But uh, as far as the IP goes, um, I'm interested enough to play it. Like I watched the Batman trailer on the weekend and that was dark and gritty and I knew that was going to be good. And from the trailer, it looks good. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily not need to be dark and gritty. It's just you fail to kind of create anything new if you're if you're following the same train, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, you kind of, kind of got to, you, you know, with that bat, with the Batman, they're kind of they're not just they're using dark and gritty to lean into the type of story they're telling which yeah. makes sense right it's not just dark yeah. and gritty for the sake of being dark and gritty which uh, you feel like a lot of the dc properties have done you know do you, have you seen shazam yes yeah you know shazam was like lovely and bright and you know exactly even you know exaggerated looks and you can almost imagine that's what they should be sort of almost translating it still has elements of that dark and grittiness of the DC yeah. universe, but I think, yeah, as the film properties aside, but you know. I, I think it's going to be an interesting couple of years for DC now, because we know that they're just a bit all over the place. You know, what they did, it's not video game related, so bear with us if you're not interested, but they're doing a four-hour recut of the Justice League, a film that people didn't oh, want to yeah. watch for two hours. <laughs> but at the same time, they're doing this... It's not just dark, gritty Batman. It's, it's oh. dark. That doesn't look like a superhero movie. That looks like Seven. And I, I'm about that Batman movie because I'm like, this makes sense for Batman. Yeah, yeah. It never made sense to shoot Superman like that because that's not what <laughs> Superman's about. It never made sense, and it's what doesn't make sense for the Flash as a character. Absolutely. Doesn't make sense for. Well, I've, I've told you before, like I, so I have problems with the Suicide Squad movie, for example. But it's not just that I don't like the stories that are being told of the characters. It's that visually, I'm like, this makes no sense. It's dark and shadowy, and I'm like, well, you're pitching this whole movie as this weird wacky band of misfits and you've got harley quinn yeah. who's literally a clown so why are yeah. we looking like this all of a sudden you could have a couple of years from now a year where james gunn's suicide squad film comes in which is looking big and bright and crazy and weird james gunn's the man who directed guy of the galaxy so mm-hmm. he knows how to make that work and you have this game from rocksteady as well coming now which so it could be a good moment for the suicide squad i'm interested but it doesn't like the character haven't really appealed to me for a while. Um, the one thing that I did think watching it is, like, a hundred percent agree with you, Matt. That like it would benefit from being even more stylized. Yeah. Like there was a lot of the the little bits of kind of popping and flavor reminded me a lot of Sunset Overdrive, which was an yeah. Xbox One title. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and that game I remember playing and being like, this like it's a bit crazy, but I like I'm digging it. It's not like anything else that I'm playing on the Xbox right now. I can get behind that. That's quite exciting. But like you said, it's there's a worry with AAA that you can't go too stylized because yeah, yeah. you're going to isolate people. It's like, well, we know now it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Fortnite has to be the um, the saving grace there that you know stylized isn't going to alienate everybody. And and I think um, yeah, but Suicide Squad. Uh, it, uh, the film was it, it was trash. The film was trash. Right? The yeah. film was awful. It was so bad. The film wasn't great. And and I I. I what was it? Birds of Prey and Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. That that got affected negatively because of it, right? Even though that that as a movie, um, was you know, okay. was, was created a bit better. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was. I would say I'd rank it higher than yeah. any of uh, the Snyderverse Snyder films, or and and also Suicide Squad. Yeah, it was. It was okay. Timing was bad, and yeah, the, oh, yeah. It's, you definitely feel the Suicide Squad's. It's, it's the problem that they have when effect. they turned around to someone like Margot Robbie who. 
Right, so when they cast Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, they were off the back of Wolf of Wall Street. So she was mm. one of the hottest properties in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And they don't tend to sign these people up for one movie deals. So all of a sudden you go, well, we signed her up for multiple movies. The first one bombed. What do we do? Uh, we've got to keep using her. Like, we've <laughs> she, invested all this and money. And she, she, was, she was the primary. She, she was fantastic. Yeah. That, that's the thing that frustrated me. Will Smith is a great actor. And I was watching the whole thing going like, what Will Smith is doing takes all the boxes from an acting point of view, but yeah. it's an uninteresting... It's an interesting... Un- it was an under- uninteresting story, uninteresting set of characters, if I'm honest. Yeah, it was telling visually it, poor. Visually poor. The film was cut poor. I still think it's better than Justice League, but you and I disagree on that. Oh, on Justice League is... I mean, it's <laughs> so, flip a coin. It's, it's I mean, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> but the, the, the problem... I mean, we're talking about the films here, but the problem is those films Those films have a trickle-down effect on the games. You know, yeah. your, your impressions are tainted by what you're playing. So, you know, I go... So this, the, the, you know, the, the TV stuff of the Suicide Squad and the film stuff of the Suicide Squad has made me uninterested in the in the Suicide Squad as a group. The game might pull it back if it gets yeah. if it plays well because I like it's more about the Justice League than anything. The, uh, you historically, know. I think what DC have always done really well, and it's why they've got a good track record with video games over the last few years, is they've been willing to kind of say, well, we have video games over here. They do their thing. Like those Arkham games. The reason I love those Arkham games is they didn't look. Arkham Knight is the exception to this rule, but Arkham City and Arkham Asylum, especially, is one of my favorite games ever because mm. it looks like you're playing that old Batman animated series. Like it's hyper stylized and super mm. gothic, and it's really great for that. And they lost that a little bit more, and, and that's elements of that is definitely people in suit coming and saying, We know that this sells better, we know that that sells better. Do yeah, of course it is, yeah. That's definitely going to be an element of it. But as a studio and as, as a company, they've always been relatively willing to say, well, we don't need one big universe. Mm. We're going to do a recut of the Justice League. We're going to have James Gunn do his weird Suicide Squad film. And then we're going to have a Batman that's completely unrelated to that and hyper-stylized in this kind of horrible, kind of gothic crime movie looking thing. Yeah. So there's, there's hope there. You just hope that it doesn't trickle down as much as, as it has done for the movies when it comes to video games. Definitely. Um, Rocksteady are a good studio. They are, I think they'll they do a good job. I worry about Gotham Knights because there's little bits, things like the leveling, and the combat's a bit stale. And I think I'm probably don't let, have... I don't know. I think Matt and I might be probably a little less worried. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> still you think about. It says it says worried like what? Oh, from worried. I'm I'm worried for them because ultimately, like they they will have done their best. Somebody would have said his his you know Barbara Gordon and his the yeah. creator go make something with these guys. They would have been so excited to do that. And they'll put the game out, and I'm worried for them as as people that made the game because it's it might be going out there to die a little bit. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, off the back of that, I feel like this conversation bleeds perfectly into Matt's topic, which is what we're going to talk about in our talking points this week. Cool. So, uh, topics this week. We talked a lot there about Gotham Knights, about Suicide Squad, and about just how they look and the style of them. So it kind of feels natural that we jump straight into a, to your talking point. Um, first off, Matt. Um, yeah, so uh, what did I, I, I put something, what, oversaturated realism versus stylized freedom. I don't even know what that means now. <laughs> I do not know what those words mean. But all, all it was was to bring up a subject that I can, I can talk a lot about, really, that um, affects me directly in my work. And that is just... The oversaturated market of AAA hyper-realistic games and high fidelity and high texture work and kind of like this gritty realism that I, w- that I was talking about earlier. 
Mm. Um, I saw a trailer. I remember I was watching, I was watching a meme compilation on YouTube, and uh, in between the adverts, a trailer came up for a game, and I don't know the name of the game, but the last words in in the um, in the trailer was, dot dot dot, uh, will become legends. And I just thought that is the most, that is the most generic line. It really is. It really is. worst, isn't it? And I, I'll yeah. send you the trailer because I really need to find it. But it just looked like, um, what was that Ubisoft game that came out years ago that, that concentrated on different fighting styles with swords, fencing, and was it something oh, uh, Honor? For Honor. For yeah, Honor, for that's Honor. it. Yeah. It just looked like a For Honor remake, like a classic uh, Assassin's Creed ripoff, any kind of AAA game that you imagine, the, the same level of foggy, texture awful uh, dirtiness to the to the level of clarity in, in the game and i just think that that really sparked a fire in me that annoyed me <laughs> it just yeah. annoyed me that there isn't there isn't there isn't a drive and i know we talked about this before because i i watched the uh, podcast and I, i'd seen them before but i know you talked about it a while ago but it's just something that I want to get off my chest. It's kind of something that I could talk about for ages. That no one kind of pushes the creativity of the game design. No one pushes the visuals. No one pushes the design. They all stay within this safe metrics of yeah, this works. You know, this this kind of works. And I just want to see something more. I I, I have this quality bar that um, is perhaps higher than a different kind of gun you can pick or, or something like that. A, a different level of a texture, a different skin, you know, something that having worked in game development, I know how kind of easy these things are to create. And it's mm. it's frustrating to me that, like, um, they sell for, for 20 quid. Was it 20 quid for Captain America skin in the Avengers? Like, if I said to you, um, it, all right, say it's 2020 now, if I said to you that there's no Marvel Avengers game, that it doesn't exist, right? And I mm-hmm. came to you and said, we're making a Marvel Avengers. In your head, what would the visual of that game be? You know, it would look... I'd assume it would look exactly like what it is. Right? It would look yeah. exactly like that. It would be a beat 'em up. You can play as Thor. You've got a short, the short bit of level that you can work with. The metrics mm. are so tightly confined. Oh, but everything flashes. That might be destructible over there. And it's like, oh well, that's not fun at all, is it? You know, it's like that's yeah. not the game you want to play. It's the equivalent of a movie title that came out in in the late nineties, early two thousands. The movie tie-in game titles, and they were poor. And I think these are poor now. It's just the graphic fidelity hasn't been increased. That um, that's the fence that they can kind of hide yeah. behind, and I just get frustrated by it. You also got to say fidelity doesn't equal interesting. I think that's kind of what you're saying. Is one of the things you're saying, but because yeah, I I think back on on interesting games, looking games that were also interesting to play because they did different approaches in recent years. Um, I remember the Prince of Persia. Remake, not the first remake or the oh, second remake, cel-shaded the cell shaded one. Yeah. And I remember when that came out, I was like, oh, we just had a whole series of Prince of Persia that was actually quite good. Yeah. Why do another one? And when it came out, I was like, oh, this is actually it quite good. good. And it was different design. It looked, it should have done better than it did, I think. That that cell shaded oh, yeah. look was quite interesting. I think, did Borderlands do that as well? Yeah, Border- well, I know yeah. Borderlands and, and Gearbox, when they were talking about Borderlands 3, it was, they did like a tech demo, I want to say. Early on, when they were talking about kind of shaders and textures and stuff they were using and developing for Borderlands 3, and there they were doubling down on the idea that it's really hard to make a 3D game that looks impressive when it's cell shaded because you're taking something that your eyes and your mind knows should look 2D and you're trying to apply that to a 3D environment. Like, there's challenges there, but they seem to have worked really hard to do yeah. it. Um, I, I think, like, when you talk about like the sort of stylistic freedom that comes with it, mm-hmm. the one thing that, well, we said before we set up the podcast, right, that I saw those words and it took me straight back to 
talking to you about Ghost of Tsushima. Mm. And I went on and on about the Kurosawa mode. Yeah. And my main takeaway was that like that game, when you're playing it, it's a open world action game. It's very familiar in places. It looks beautiful, but yeah. it's it benefits from being in a locale that we don't see very often in video games and things mm-hmm. like that. But when I played in Kurosawa mode, I was like, cool, this is now like it's built, even down to the way that the contrast works and the way that they've kind of they apply this sort of filmic look to it. And you can sort of see that the world's been designed to go, well, even when this is in black and white, we want it to look a certain way. Mm. And I was like, well, if I pull the head off and then I've got this filter going over the audio as well, and all of a sudden that that standard open-world RPG game that happens to have a samurai in it, for me, became this completely different experience. I was like, cool, now, when I'm playing in black and white without a head and I'm not seeing all the things that I see in every other video game, now this AAA game is starting to feel like something special and something that I've not played before. Mm. Yeah, You so rarely get that mm. from a AAA title. And it is like, it has the benefit of Sucker Punch for a huge studio, right? Like these are the infamous guys. Obviously PlayStation, they're in a PlayStation first party. So they've got money being thrown at them left, right and center to make this game. So they're in a position that a lot of AAAs maybe aren't where they can go, well, we can make a big AAA title, but we can also take a bunch of time and love and effort into trying to do something different. And I, I'm still adamant that the real sort of creative gem in that game is in Kurosawa mode because you're getting something you don't get anywhere else. But it's so rare that you're allowed to sort of chase that, kind of pull at that creative thread, you know? Yeah. I I think that uh, there is one, there's kind of two, well, one or two major problems with Kurosawa mode as as a, from an artistic design point of view. It, it looks fantastic. But that game hasn't been designed to be played in that mode, as you well know, in particular missions when they yeah. use color. Uh, and they yeah, specifically talk about color in a mission, and you're playing in black and white, and you're like, well, that's not going to work. And it's like, yeah, they've made, which they've I think made. It's always going to be the problem with it, right? And it is the thing of, it, that, that's sort of what got me. It got me to the point where I was like, okay, so there's bits where I've got to switch it back to color so that I know what I'm doing because yeah. they're specifically using color as an indicator. But they've been given enough leeway to try and do something different. Imagine if they turned around and said, we're going to do a black and white move, like video game. Like, we're going to do that. We go, this is what we're going for. And they go, well, we kind of need to be, no, this is what we're doing. And they were told yeah. to, if it was that special in Kurosawa mode when that's not how it was made to be played, mm. what would that game look like if you were given the freedom to go, okay, go do whatever you want. Exactly. You go wild, right? Like, if it was that good yeah. as I played it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like okay. you said, like there were elements there. Yeah. I was like, this is frustrating. That it obviously this is a little bit of maybe not an afterthought, but it was a parallel thought. It was we yeah, have it, our yeah. Game, and then we have this nice little thing that might be something special. You know, I know um, Last of Us with their latest patch, they've added, well, they did for Uncharted Four as well, where there's kind of visual filters that you can add onto it. Okay. So it's the idea that well, if you want to play um, the Last of Us in sort of pixel art style you can if you want to add cell shading to it you pixel can art style. you want to go black and white it's weird <laughs> not, not all of them work but they are essentially just filter overlays yeah like, I mean cool there's, there's, like, there's but something the, there but but this this is, this is an interesting thing right because uh, like you're saying Matt I, I guess the, a lot of it comes down to originality and yeah. not being formulaic and in terms of look anyway but also design cues what was it Someone was saying, was it on a recent podcast? Like, in terms of the actual, uh, when in in most AAA games now, you would look at a door handle and a circle appears over it. Yeah, I, I name dropped them. Who's it? 
I feel really bad because I can't think of who posted it. Yeah. But it was a picture of um, it was a screenshot from Monsters Inc. And it was Sully walking up to Boo's yeah. door in the factory. And then someone yeah. said, basically, AAA kind of game design now is do that exact same scene, just put a little circle on the door handle so that you know to go and grab it. And it's like, well, yeah, there's different ways to do that. Again, like Ghost of Shima and all credit to them, they go, well, how do we direct players around a map? It, we could put a big done. pillar of light, which has been done in every video game since the mid-90s. Or we could literally add this windy particle effect to direct you in different ways. There's, That's kind of pretty. Yeah, yeah it, like, works, and it works. And it's different in this ways yeah. to try and do it that I think so often, you know, Far Cry is always the, the one for me that I think, you know, we talked about it before, that Far Cry, when they first did it, was genuinely innovative. Far Cry is now the, the biggest sinner when it comes to... Copying, pasting this yeah, format. Like this yeah. is, I've seen this hundreds of times before. Mm. My uh, my issue with with that is well, I I completely agree with whoever posted that Monsters Inc. thing, really. Because <laughs> yeah. um, to be fair, uh, my I really don't like The Last of Us. I in fact I go as far to say I quite hate The Last of Us. Ooh, really, in design beginnings. everything about it. Really, I I I haven't played the second one. I played an hour of the first one. And I wasn't. Sure, I'm not sure which director it is, but he, um, he did say that um, in terms of film now, you know, to uh, within the first five minutes, if you're not engaged the audience, then you have no right to kind of follow, follow and take that extra hour or an hour and a half time. I can't mm-hmm. remember what director it was, but I, I, th- I think the same applies to a game. So I would play the game within the first hour, and I played the first hour of The Last of Us, and that was great, and the story was great, and I was uh, captivated by it, and the, the visuals were fine, I suppose, and and the voice actors were great, and the models were great, but then once I got into the gameplay gameplay once i got into clicking a to do something once i got into clicking x to lift this it was like i was yeah i was in an interactive movie an interactive 40 hour movie and which is fine to do it's fine to do but market it as a telltale game then market as it as a a story driven um uh, a game and i but i i can imagine that you know most of the time the marketing comes from other sources right so you're not mm. you're not actually selling what it actually is you know there's no gameplay design there that is well, what can we do in this bit to slow it down well we can have them walk through a couple of doors we can impress a to keep them keep them interested right and i just i just feel like that is another area in which they don't exaggerate anything you can you can make it way more interesting there were, if it was my job to design i would relish in the fact of going in and trying to find interesting ways to make those monotonous things in games interesting and i know i understand why it's there it's there to let the voice out does splooge the exposition right and you need a quiet moment before you have a a, a very generic by the way you know over the cover shooter which wasn't very mm. impressive either when i got to that and that's when i stopped playing so i think that's my um it, it seeps into design as well yeah, yeah. i think it's like the, to the last of us like i'm a big fan of the last of it mm. but that's also <laughs> like i i can't posit an argument to what you're saying for a no. second because you're 100 percent right. Yeah. You know when when people are oh, like, "What do you love most about The Last of Us?" I'm like, I love all the things that I like about a good movie. I, I don't know if you heard the podcast of The Last of Us, but I was really open and saying like, "The Last of Us." I literally went into that game and I went, "Nope, I'm turning this down to easy. I'm not here to play a game. Yeah. I'm here to go through with these characters and experience that. That's what I'm here for." And you know, we've had conversations on the podcast before about. You know what constitutes a game in 2020 mm. it's so hard to put your finger on it right but then when it comes to really I, I think it's the frustrating thing that gets me is that a game like the last of us can come out and they put so much money and so much resources and so much energy behind that vehicle and that's great like that like i enjoy that but we're not given that like, you don't see that kind of push and drive and resource put behind 
I think of somebody, um, Annapurna Interactive, like over the last few years, they produce a whole bunch of independent games that have come out on things like iOS, that come out on Switch and PlayStation 4. I keep thinking like, cool, if I want to play my big play experiences, I know where to go for that. Yeah. But also, if Annapurna are dropping a game, they've worked with a studio that are trying to do really different groundbreaking things and that are trying to push what can be done in a video game. And like that, that's the real hotbed for, for kind of gaming in that way. Like mm. I think there's a place for, for, yeah, you know, your last of us and things. But I think you're absolutely right in terms of saying, we now know, cinema went through the same thing, right? Like yeah. we now know what makes a blockbuster or a blockbuster. We can go through the motions. It's, the challenging thing then is, what do you see being done in independent yeah. cinema? And then what can that director look and go, that's incredible. What does that look like in one of our games? And, and you start pushing the envelope that way. The, 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 that's the thing, you see, because people think, I don't know what happens in, in these kind of industries, because they all start out as small scale, people innovating left, right and centre, visually, design-wise in games. That you know, all the big names now all started off on small back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, innovating, and now they just got stuck in their ways. And is that just something that happens with I age th- in any new? I think more than anything, that's the commodification of video games. As soon as you start yeah. going, cool, we like. I think the reality is the people that are. If I was to take my example again, the people that were sitting there going, "We're going to make a Kurosawa movie. It's going to be black and white, and the audio is going to be scratching. This is going to be awesome." Those aren't the people that are running the budgets. Those no, aren't the people no, no, the no, no, no. Those aren't the people selling the games. So the first thing that then got to happen is somebody's got to go, okay, slow down. We got to sell this thing. So let's relax. And that's where you lose it. And that's why I think, you know, Annapurna is a publisher. Well, you think Annapurna Interactive, where do they come from? Well, they come from a film studio that boasts being able to say, we make independent cinema. That's, mm. that's their niche. That's where they sit. So that's, I think, where they try and take that culture into video games and you hope that that's how it works. But as soon as you commodify a product, it's like, cool, we've now got to maximize this for revenue and that's it. Never used to happen back in the day. Because <laughs> well, it was new, right? Well, it, this it is... wasn't a multi-billion dollar industry where people are going, oh, well, I've invested 500 million into this company and I want to see my return. That but wasn't happening the same this way. Is, then, this does raise an interesting point there because uh, in, in terms of what I'm going to talk about shortly, because uh, I just watched High School on Netflix. Have you seen it? Oh, it's amazing. I've yeah, watched the first three episodes, I think, so I've yeah. not seen all of them. But the, the, feel free but, to spoil the history that is now 30 years old. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. It's not... I'm not going to hold you to spoiler alert. <laughs> um, I don't know, should, should we just segue into... Yeah, what is it, take us into? What, yeah, was, your, do, yeah. Uh, what was your topic? Well, I, I want to talk about video game documentary specifically, um, but this does tie a little bit, just a specific point about High Score. High Score is out on Netflix. If anyone hasn't seen it yet, go and recommend you watch it. Um, it's only six parts, six hours long. It's not even an hour, is it? An episode. It's less yeah, than it's that, 40, 40 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Have you watched the whole documentary now, Matt? All six uh, parts? Everyone but the last episodes. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, it, yeah there's, there's no spoilers to be talked about here, but, but they, they take a sort of mixed, mixed kind of approach to how they're telling the story. It's not really historical, but it kind of follows a rough chronology. So the earlier episodes, which you've seen, have talked a little bit about the earlier growth of the industry and the innovators right i mean and that ties into what you're talking about that back then they were talking about new concepts new types of games and it was all just very new very interesting documentary i'm going to recommend it so it reminded me of uh winter white marketing the sega part have you watched the sega part yet sega's my next one up that's next one 
You know the story I, of Sega. I've read and listened yeah. to a lot of yeah, so I'm very, very familiar with so Sega. This, yeah. the, whole set, the whole approach that Sega took wasn't one of a big corporation like they would now. It's like, okay, we're clearly the underdogs. Nintendo have, well, I think they said, 98% of the market. We, can, we have nothing to lose. Let's just do whatever we can. And they just went out and did whatever they can, you know. There's design, the, 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 the design of Sonic that's just basically been done. I know people still use paper, but the, the approach they took to designing that game and then coming up with that character and that mascot, and just the whole thing was great. So watching that documentary, I was thinking back on all... It sounds so boring when you use the word doc, video game documentary. My, 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 my wife was sitting there. She didn't, oh, yeah, I made my girlfriend sit down and, and it was in a thing of like... Okay, we can watch it. It's gonna be really good. Trust well, me, I know what, this story. I know I, this the thing. She she says that she wasn't watching it, but I saw her. She kept glancing up from her paper. She was she was she watched a little bit of it as we were going, and I'm thinking, well, there's, there's, there are other documentaries out there, right? There's like obviously there's the feature length ones, the films that we've seen. Yeah. So you've got indie game devs, the movie, which is yeah, quite, which is course is really good. So you got King of Kong, which. Um, she tells the the sordid tale of Billy Mitchell and stuff, but what are the what are the big ones? There aren't you know if this is. One, I, I think I know where you're going. I don't necessarily think movies is always the best place. I'm not going to say movies. I don't, okay, no, I don't, sorry, continue. I don't, I don't. I don't think it needs movies. I think I think, but I, the, the the video game industry is young, relatively speaking, but it is also worth more than. The film and music industry combined into account yeah. in all the different aspects yeah. of the industry, like esports and stuff like that. And esports alone is probably like just like mind boggling, right? There needs to be more stuff like this. This high score, high score was on the right track. It was interesting and innovative, but it's six parts and it's telling very specific stories, which is probably what made it interesting. But I feel like there needs to be more like that. So you know, you talk about we're talking about game design here and, and graphic design and, and the, the rise of the AAA studio, that would be an interesting subject in itself, right? How, how, how games became commoditized. I, I think the big thing at the minute is, like we talk about the commodity, right? And it's hard, it, it's tricky to sell that to a market from a Netflix point of view. I think Netflix doing it is probably a good way for them to get it rolling. But what I will yeah. say, so the, the three names that I'll drop, I've got one on my iPad here that I've known you spotted already. Um, so Console Wars... Mm-hmm. is an amazing book and there's a few really a good books book. out there that are fantastic yeah. for learning about this yeah. um, there's a really great I want to say it's a three or four part story um, of Business Wars which is a podcast that goes into Nintendo versus Sega and stuff like that as well so it's happened in podcasts yeah. and I will say that there's a couple of creators one in particular that I know I've name dropped a few times here but I know Daniel Dwyer has no clip video and no clip specifically no do we go in we speak to developers we learn these stories and that's what we do um, I, I don't. It just doesn't happen on mass. I don't think, does it? No. There is the. There's also the video game historian, which covers. He covers specific topics, and you can see how well you started out. It was lower production values, and he's got more and more slicker as he's gone along. Yeah, and he, YouTube, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and he does, he's on YouTube. Um, there's uh, there's one really good one he's done of the the sordid tale of Tetris. Now. If you, if you ever think, oh yeah, it's Tetris. It came from Russia. What else is there to? There's a there's a whole sorted. <laughs> yeah. It is amazing. It involves the Maxwells. It involves Russian organizations and mysterious. Anyway, it's it's a really good story, and he tells it really well. And it's but it's it is you can tell it's a YouTube documentary. It's not, and you know, no offense to no clip glass. I guess yeah. to some extent it's the same thing. 
I, I will say, I think the production team behind um, the Netflix documentary, I think they're called Great Big Story, and they okay. post stuff on, on online all the time. So yeah. I'm not even sure if they started out as a... I, Potentially. I mean, a lot of the graphics look kind of familiar. Yeah, yeah. I've probably seen I mean. them on YouTube and stuff before, yeah. I don't know. I, I, um, I, I, well, I really liked it. Um, yeah. Of course, I'm into games, so obviously I'm going to like it. But it's yeah. uh, as you said, I'm not surprised that your girlfriends or your wives uh, kind of sneak a peek because the production value is so good, right? That yeah. uh, and the yeah. audio sound is ultra 4K <laughs> HD. They kind of yeah. they can't you can't not look, especially when the music in the background is dramatic. It's you, there's drama there, right? It's drama. Yeah, there's loads of stories in the in <laughs> there's loads of major stories in in, in the games um, industry that are just waiting to be told. But I, I, this you are right. There seems to be a niche that like you don't have that. As much you've got loads of sports movies and documentaries loads of music documentaries about yeah, the making yeah. of this uh, i i um appreciate no clip though because even though they are um youtube and i think patreon funded yeah they they still um there's still the production value and that's quite it's high actually yeah value. and that's what it's i mean really, yeah, really yeah. yeah. Like you wouldn't look out of place on, on tv no yeah, yeah. no yeah. definitely definitely so yeah I, I i can appreciate that but no there really aren't that many and i i'm eager how to... much of it do you think because i always think this right when you think about the big stories that that we know. Like we mm. mentioned the Suicide Squad earlier, oh, did something happen with Roxy where they went, we want that IP, and then they switched. And you always hear about these backstage politics and things. But video games, other than maybe the very early years where it was kind of the Old West, it was kind of mm. a free-for-all, I'd probably argue that mid-90s going into now, it's... Less. It's not even that. I think there's a lot going on, but it's just all wrapped up in such legal nonsense. Right, like we, how long? How long are we going to have to wait to find out what happened with somebody like Hideo Kojima walking out on Konami? There's a oh, massive yeah. dramatic mm. movie to be told there. That's true. That we can't tell well, because okay. he's under NDA. Well, this this is an interesting point there because you, you know I, I was about to not touch on it, but now you've made me think about it. The dramatization <laughs> of these uh, these stories, yes. making actual films. Someone, a Tetris as an example, talks about buying up the rights to making a Tetris film, like. What's that going to be like? Is that going to be like pixels? No, um, but no. I think I think what they're going to say. I think that what they're going to do is they're going to tell the story of what gaming history yeah. did in, in a dramatic form, and maybe there's stuff to be done there with Kojima, and there's stuff to be done yeah. with look, kind of like I guess the, the the closest we've got to it is the the story the three development studios in the indie game dev yeah. film um, which weren't dra- dramatizations and such but there were certainly dramatic stories I think me. that's the biggest challenge with documentary making in general right so I remember being in film school and going into film school and being excited because I was going to be like Scorsese and I was going to make all these cool movies and everything was going to be in one long shot it's awesome. still time Tom it's still time it's still time <laughs> but what threw me off my my wheelhouse immediately and it did the same to everyone in that class I know it did is they go cool so this year, you're just making documentaries. We're going to give you crappy cameras that aren't very good, and you're going to go out and you're going to make documentaries. Because until you can take a pretty boring story and turn that into an interesting story, you don't deserve to make films, right? Because like the real niche there, and there's elements in film. You've got things like Dogma 95. So the idea of Dogma 95 is cool. You have all these wonderful things like lights and cameras and special effects. Mm. What if all you're allowed is a camera and nothing else? You can't use actors. You can't use sound. You can't use music unless it's natural music in the environment okay. go and make something that way and that forces you to be really creative and documentary is very much the same thing I think documentarians are really underrated someone like Louis Theroux for example and what his oh, team yeah, do yeah, yeah. taking stories that on the surface might not even be that interesting or might be interesting 
but he can take it to the next level of being hyper interesting. And the industry, from a video game perspective, probably don't think of film like that. Film are probably looking at the video game industry going, we have no interest. So it's going to take somebody willing to kind of say, there's an interesting, dramatic way to tell the story. I think people like Jason Schreier, I always fly the flag for him, and I know he upsets a lot of people, but he had a book that came out not too long ago that was, it did a really good job of taking all of these stories. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, all these stories and ideas. I actually thought the book was really good. I thought it was fantastic. What was it called? Um, um, I'll have a look for it. Um, but Jason Schreier, he formerly of Kotaku, now of Bloomberg, um, I think. Um, but he kind of told, they were relatively recent stories. There was one there. Yeah, it, it, there was a range of stories. and it, yeah. all, that so is, like, it, was, it was an anthology almost yeah. of different stories. Right? There was a really uh, interesting chapter about Obsidian, where they go, cool, well, Obsidian is a studio who made Fallout New Vegas, and then they didn't make Fallout New Vegas, they went and did something else. <laughs> Which is an easy story to tell. But when you say, well, they made Fallout New Vegas, and they made the most successful Fallout game that they had experienced at that time, and then they were told that they weren't going to get renewed and they nearly went under and people were going to get fired. And then they threw all their hats into this big concept that they might work or might not. It's the way that you tell that story. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with a little bit. Um, but that book does a really good job. And it maybe needs somebody to do... Yeah, Jason Schreier has the benefit of... He's a journalist. He's got, he's got access, his, yeah. Yeah, his job is to investigate this stuff, to find the story, but, to tell but the that's, story. That's, that's part of the documentarian's yeah. journey, right? And I that's, mean, that's what you need. You need somebody that can do that with a camera, I, and with visuals. Blood, Sweat and Pixels is the name of the book. Blood, Sweat and Pixels. We'll yes. drop it in the link. Yeah, it's a really good book. I would definitely recommend it. Uh, because there's, there's also an element of, um, uh, you know, looking behind the curtain, right? Especially with that one. Uh, you know, people talk about these games and they talk about the design process and all these various things but actually you know sometimes people want to know how it's interesting to know how you got you're sitting there playing Fortnite well why why is no one talking about the story of how Fortnite came to be you know I know it sounds like it might be boring but what people are talking about is they want to make Fortnite into a film and they're going to you know put those characters they want to make it they don't want to dramatize the story behind it they want to dramatize the story the game itself and it's like Well, there's no shackles to writing a story and making it from scratch, which is more attractive. You know, like, we can just make a film. That'll be great. And we'll just make up a story and we'll hire some writing and they'll do a good job. Trying to take a a real story. You know, like, it's a weird thing. I remember when I was in school, it always started off with, based on a real story. And part of me would go, because like, because you're a kid, and like, I just wasn't yeah, interested yeah, in the yeah, story. Yeah, that, there is that, there is that. I want to go back to watching yeah. the X Men cartoons. Like, <laughs> but little did I know where we'd end up. But there's <laughs> there's real credence to being able to again like take that story. It's what now when it's like based on a true story, it's often met with cynicism with me going, "Is it? Oh yeah, this doesn't yeah, seem." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, production values yeah. have changed a lot as well. I would argue that the uh, documentaries from the you know eighties and nineties don't have. The, you know you, t- you think about your what well, you can probably blame Netflix for this as well you think about your Making a Murderer and your Tiger Kings and yeah. all of those I mean have you seen either of those um, no. yeah both yeah yeah, yeah. you know what I mean yeah. the, the, in terms of in terms of you comparing and the, the you know you compare those type of dramatisation dra- dramatic do- documentaries to what even Louis Threw was doing maybe even 20 years ago yeah. it's the, it, his stuff has changed as well yeah, arguably you know yeah. um, I think there's room, there's room for it. Sorry, yeah. you're watching. Oh, no, I was literally just following on. But I think there's a story everywhere, right? There's a story between in every time you stick two people together, right? There's a story or even, you know, yeah. in the case of 127 hours, it's just one person, right? The story. But you get two people together and there's drama, right? No matter how, how subtle it is because film can get that across, right? Like you said, documentarians, they 
they don't have a bit they don't have the drama there they have to kind of um What's the word? Kind of um, make yeah, an artificial right. drama, yeah, generate yeah. the drama out of it, yeah, uh, or emphasize that what little is there. And I think you can go anywhere in the world. Like, I, what was the documentary? I think you mentioned it a couple of minutes ago uh, with Phil Fish. Um, oh, Indie Game the movie. Yeah, yeah. Indie yeah. Game the movie. That's it. Yeah. yeah, Indie Game the movie. And I didn't know that story. I didn't yeah. know there was drama yeah. at the making of um, Fez. You know, I didn't know that story, but it was mental. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, that, I think it was so interesting. I always remember. So when I saw, when I went to see that, it was in the Prince Charles Cinema in London. I had a friend that told me, like, you need to go see it. I was like, okay, I'll go see it. I remember actively crying in the scene where the, is it Team Meat? They're sitting yeah. there and they're trying to find Super Meat Boy on the dashboard. And they're like, no, like, they said that we'd be on the dashboard for launch. Yeah. And we're not on the dashboard for launch. And this is make or break. This yeah, is yeah. sell my house or make another game. Yeah, got goosebumps. Like, yeah, it, it's, like, it's so... It, like, because because that's 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 real. Like, there's no. That's the one thing documentarians have on their side is mm. everything that happens. You know, is authentic. You yeah. know, is real. And it's just being able to weaponize that for drama. That's an important one, I think. I just had a really good idea. We need <laughs> we need to we need to do a documentary centered around the Welsh game development scene because there are some characters, as you well know, Matt. There are some characters in this industry. <laughs> It's 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 not a big industry, so you know we could it could be interesting. We we'll get a bit of sponsorship, get a few people yeah. to, to. I think I think there's something there, you know. I get to the tail end of this and I go, you know what? I didn't waste nearly thirty grand on a degree after all. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say that I know someone who might be able to actually do this. This is this is this is an idea for them. Sorry, all right. No, I'm just going to think because that's the point, right? There are there are stories everywhere. It's just about how you uncover them, and most people don't have a camera in front of their face. And if mm. they did, often that exaggerates their personality a little. Oh. We've uh, we just lost you there, Matt. Cool. Might need to hold up the. Oh, you're back. Oh, you're back on. Oh, am I back? Oh, was that my fault? I honestly don't know. Uh, it, might a, it might have been a connection thing, not sure. Um, yeah, we're back. So, right. you were saying most people are more dramatic when they've got a camera in front of them? Yes. So, yeah, so most people uh, emphasize the character when they, have a, when they have a character in front of them, I suppose. But even when they don't, it's, it's obviously difficult to not be able to you know to capture something especially when there isn't a camera there you, you won't get any of it so just putting a camera in places just fill the arcade vaults with cameras is what i'm saying <laughs> and you'll get some drama somewhere tournament finals we have cameras some... everywhere for we, legal we do yeah, yeah yeah there are there are actually cameras. uh and half of them have got mics on so i could just switch the mics on and we could be it would be like the big brother house but like <laughs> Which you know is, is full of drama, right? So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They demonstrated quite a lot about uh, what people are like uh, in front of a camera, or in front of a camera, and not really kind of thinking about the fact that they're in front of the camera. But anyway, um, yeah. So go watch it. More video game stuff. Yeah, high score on athletes. Go watch that. Uh, and no clip. Go introduce yourself to no clip. Um, gaming historian. Gaming historian as well. Go Which, check out. Um, Console Wars, Console Wars. Plus Pixels as well. Right. We'll put those in the link. Indie Game, the movie, if you get a chance. And The King of Kong, which is probably one of the earlier documentaries, but also is just really fascinating because... It'll not... be interesting to see if, like... Because you've got to assume sports documentarians, people that make these great ESPN documentaries and stuff. And I know BT have been doing a bunch of stuff with football teams where they did Manchester City last year. I think they did Spurs mm. this year. <laughs> uh, Wonder so... who he supports. <laughs> so... <laughs> So 
you know, like they're, they're doing it. But maybe esports is the one where people go, well, what if we just follow this esports team around and see what the one of, one of the when you get to high when you get further on in high school, one of the one of the sub stories is does follow it up. Oh, no spoilers. Oh. Sorry. Oh, it's, it's in high school. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. There's yeah. a very, very small. There's a small. There's a small, small part of it. They talk about one yeah, so of. So, if, if you see it, do you think there's more room to tell those stories? Absolutely, well? absolutely. This is my point. Uh, sorry, to, we're still talking about high school now, but in high school, they talk about very specific characters in very specific situations. But actually, if you think about the wider historical things that they could talk about, so they talk a very small part about esports. They could talk about all of the esports. Yeah. They talk a very small part about the early game development scene. They could talk about a massive part. You know what I mean? They, the, yeah. You could take that whole the whole six parts and turn it into six one and a half hour long movies quite yeah, easily. Think, did you ever watch um, the Pirates of Silicon Valley? I I, uh, I did. Is that the one with Noah Wilde from? Uh, yeah, it's like ER. a straight to TV movie. Yeah, it, it wasn't yeah. great. I mean, it was it was interesting, I, but in terms of production value, oh, the production value is not just great. Like, yeah, you can sell it's a straight to TV. Yeah, movie. yeah. But the whole thing they did really well there is it starts off with oh, how does the computer industry come to be what it is? But the, the real story there is then like okay, well, how did Bill Gates get to be where he is, and where how did Steve Jobs get to be where yeah. he is? You know, when when Steve Jobs died, there was a big influx of. Well, that's it two, was a race to the finish, right? There were two Steve Jobs films. You're talking about the... Yeah, well, you got the Ashton Kutcher one that was out way too soon for it to be written. Well, that, that was based on the book that would have been already yeah. out, I believe. And, and then, then... Oh, no, was that the other way around? Anyway, we digress. Yeah, but there's a lot there yeah. for other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. this sort of has got to be there for video games. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, main... main to, to illustrate the point, I suppose you would say, would you rather watch the Emoji movie? Or the making of how emojis <laughs> became about, right? So, like, yeah, that's actually are not very interesting. Yeah. That, that sums it up beautifully. That's yeah. exactly it. That's exactly because you know somebody sat there going, "It's just not the right shade of yellow." <laughs> you know, someone's gone nuts about that. You know better than anyone that someone's gone nuts about that. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so we we're moving through. Um, how are we doing for time? We're okay, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so, the topic that I brought forward, it's a relatively straightforward one, um, but I was watching the Nindies Direct, right? So, Nintendo's indie direct thing that mm-hmm. they do. And I was pretty stunned to see that a lot of the games that were on there being shown off were games that I'd already had sat on my iPad because they'd been on Apple Arcade for a few months, pretty much since launch for Apple okay. Arcade. And I'm like, cool. So, these games, they went up on Apple Arcade. It was a new service at the time. So, they would have had a big influx of players from people going, what is Apple Arcade and jumping in? And then there will be now, you imagine, the second wind of people going and playing those games on Switch for the first time. So I was just wondering, first of all, personal for you, are there any games you remember coming out, not playing, and then coming across months or years later and going, ah, okay, I get it now, or I missed this and I wish I hadn't. And also, can you think of any big success stories where a game's come out, fallen flat, and then managed to kind of Ooh, that's an interesting set, stay, one. set sail off that second wind? Hmm. I'm thinking. Um, I'll I'll jump in with one that I I missed. I suppose I missed uh, I missed Journey. Actually, I didn't. Oh, uh, I did too. Actually, go on. Yeah. I I think it came out. Uh, I don't know when it came out, but it came out around the time I think it was PlayStation Three. Was it mid development or maybe even early PlayStation Three? Mm-hmm. And um, I I com- I just completely missed it because I went over to the Xbox 360. It wasn't over there yet, and and it it's one of those exclusives which I think now everybody at least knows, and everybody almost everybody's played and i just completely missed it yeah it, it, it was one of those and and considering i i you know i'm, I'm an artist that works in the game industry it, it should be one of those <laughs> at the top of my list right but um no, i completely missed it 
and I'm, I wish I, I wish I was on the train. Uh, actually, tying into um, tying into what we already talked about in the game depth of the movie, um, I missed Super Meat Boy the first time around. Uh, uh, I, you know, I think it was, it was was it PC first. I think it was an it was a big Xbox arcade game. Yeah, so I didn't catch it until it was at least on the PlayStation, which was I know a long time later. So I I missed that completely the first time around. and then, then of course, I watched the film, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, well, yeah." We have to go play it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I think I, I missed that definitely. They're, they're, I, actually, I think, I think, I don't know. Is it indie games to get missed this first time around? Would you say that AAA titles get the same? Um, I, I think AAA titles are they're pushed out, right? So there's no way that you're going to miss them coming out. But if I think about like so, Dishonored, the first one, I remember seeing mm. at. Eurogamer when I went one year and I think I might have I might have got a hands on with it very very briefly and I touched I was like cool I think I get it I you know I might look at this again and then I never played that game again and then I went back into Dishonored two because uh, it was up on Game Pass I was mm. looking for something to play on Game Pass I was like cool all right Dishonored two is there I vaguely remember it people say good things I, I haven't played it and then I jumped in again and I played it and I really enjoyed it I had a really good time with it and I always think it's I think it's interesting. Because from from a player point of view, like we can't be put to blame because there's just mm. so much out there. There is a lot. Like, out some there. of it's gonna, you know, yeah. Like when you said earlier that you give it, you know, you gave like the last of us an hour. I have a general rule. Like you've got an hour with a video game, you've got an episode with TV, you've got like five, maybe ten minutes with a movie, and yeah. then an hour. You've got a track if it's an hour. Five yeah. ten minutes. That's tight, man. Yeah, like oh, like you can tell a lot from the first five ten minutes of a movie because there's so much to get through, right? So I. I think it's pretty cool, like, you know, seeing some of those games that were sort of familiar. Ironically, I've probably seen them now on that and Indies Direct and gone, oh, you know, I've seen that on my on the app store because mm. it's on Arcade. I'll, I'll probably go get it and then I'll go play it on Apple Arcade, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, your, more, your second point, which I think in some ways might be more interesting, because I think generally speaking, probably a lot of people missed things first time around due to time limitations, sometimes, like, you know, like yeah. the journey. I I also miss Journey, and I haven't gone back to revisit it because I think I get the idea of Journey. I know what it's yeah. about, so I don't necessarily need to personally experience it yet. I might one day if I have time, but time is time yeah. is the key. So your second point about what games have come out and had a second wind, like, and I actually come out, you know, on a different platform and gone. Actually, now yeah. this is well, Fortnite. Yeah, Fortnite's the. Biggest failure. Well, that's the biggest, biggest success. Yeah, it's the, the biggest failure. Around. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's first time around. It was all up, it didn't do anything at all. And I don't know if that's necessarily a second win, but also uh, the, the, uh, them adding on battle royale. Yeah, that's like well. a. It's almost like a second launch, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, they essentially relaunched. Yeah, that's the weird thing about like what you're looking at with a video game in 2020 is quite often these video games aren't even just single products. Like they're, they're platforms. Mm. Like they they oh, set up software as a service. Yeah. Well, like they obviously set up Fortnite Save the World and they were like, cool, we've got this, this essentially a platform, what else can we do with it? Yeah. Right? You've got to assume that they were talking about, they must have looked at Rocket League and gone, do we do like a, can we turn this into a football game? Can we make basketball out of this? Like, can we make it a capture the flag? Like, they would have bandied around 101 ideas. Yeah. And they and fall they on Battle did. Royale. Well, they don't fall on Battle Royale. They looked and went, people seem to really like Battle Royale. Oh, I wonder <laughs> if there's going to be a Battle Royale in Rocket League. That could be interesting. Anyway, I don't what? <laughs> how? <laughs> Why not? A hundred cars. They have, um, they have mods. They have mods, they do they? Yeah, so it's uh, it's like the last person to score and each round it gets knocked out and then... 
and then that, that that would be a way to do it. I mean, I've played that. It's all I play is Rocket League. So I, I mean, I've, I've played it quite a bit. Like I haven't touched Rocket League in a while. And like, Neither have I. Ironically, yeah. now you kind of like, beating me. Yeah, I kind of want to go and play Rocket because I love. Man, we're talking about it. I kind of want to play it as well because I haven't played it for a long time. And yeah, like, I, I don't like playing Rocket against League. you though because like, I don't play like any game against you. To be fair, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I smash it up on Rocket League. Yeah, <laughs> quite a lot. But like, I always thought like Rocket League was like GTA is another one that did it where they went, oh well, we've got driving in a game. What if we just let people build their own race course and just turn this into a racing game? Like, mm. if somebody said Rocket League has a racing mode now, sure, I'm in. Why not? <laughs> like, that sounds. And cool. you've got to race the ball around the entire track. I was in like push it around the entire track and not. You, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I think it's a no clip documentary about um, Psionics, right? That. Um, oh, is there? Yeah, yeah. And I think that started off as like a a mod, uh, Unreal mod for one of the early Halos. Yeah. And then that just turned into something, and then they did, they add something. They add a, a fundamental gameplay loop, and then they just drop the ball in, and that's that. Because I think don't they mention in that documentary, weirdly enough, almost accidentally, as if we brought it up deliberately for this topic, don't yeah. they talk about like they developed it, and then they had a version of the game go up on Steam, and it didn't quite catch on, and then they kind of relaunched it as Rocket League, and again Actually, like it didn't so. quite pick up, and then I think it was PlayStation put it on PlayStation Plus, and like there's a really good quote like yeah. And then, like, overnight, I got a phone call and they said the servers are on fire. And I was like, okay, it's a good thing. We'll fix it tomorrow. Like, you don't understand. The servers are on fire. They're literally on fire right now. Like, we can't. What do, do we take an extinguisher to them? Do we fry all Like, that was a legitimate thing. But that was almost kind of a second wind off. I mean, like, Fall Guys, Fall Guys obviously being the hottest thing in gaming right now, that probably, I guess, a second win is a tiny thing, right? But it gets that initial boost off PlayStation Plus. And it does really, really well. And then it just spikes off the back of Twitch, right? I get, sort of a one-two punch for them. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder whether Second Wind's the right thing because really a lot of the time it seems that these are, the, these are games that either go onto a new platform or they, they have an add-on put onto it. You know, they modify the original concept of the game or they're getting pushed onto a storefront as a, as a, as a lead. So yeah. your PS Pluses, your, your Apple Arcade front or you go into game pass you know what i mean so i i wonder if if it's just the games are always they've always been in the backs of people's minds but yeah. they're just that's not quite they need that extra push yeah and absolutely. so yeah and like so for me i think that's different from say like a game like journey because i knew journey was there i didn't really get into it journey could come for free right i think i've actually got my own journey if it came onto if it came onto the switch, I probably still wouldn't necessarily install it because now that momentum has been lost for me. So yeah. I'm not sure whether they're like, are they two separate things. The other one that always sticks with me is I remember a friend showing me Hotline Miami on his MacBook when I was in film. He was like, "The soundtrack's amazing. It's really really cool." And I tried playing it. I don't know if you tried to play Hotline Miami with keys and a trackpad, but it was a nightmare. I just did not get along with it. And then it went up on PlayStation Vita, and I was like, oh, I remember people talking about this game. And there's no other games on the PlayStation Vita, so <laughs> and so I downloaded yeah. it. And that's that's one of my favorite games in the last decade, I think. I love, I've love. i got Hotline Miami now on my Switch ready to go again. So that's now going to get a third a third kind of playthrough. Uh, yeah, remasters as, as well. Yeah. That's, that's, and I mean, like, you know... Yeah. The Last of Us. Did you when you said you played The Last of Us earlier, Matt? Were you talking about the the PS3 release, or the PS4 release? Um, I played it on the PS4, and I only played it last year. So technically, that would have been my like game that I went back to. But unfortunately, I hated it. 
that's fair. That's fair. Sorry. That's fair. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, even if it's wrong. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, but that, that's a perfect example there, right? Because, uh, you know, arguably they probably got a second win of the yeah. PS4 release. I'd certainly bought it a second time. PlayStation have been kings of that since the PS1, right? Like, mm. it was always that the game comes out, it sits there, and then it comes out on PlayStation Platinum. And that was always the, yeah, the second yeah, push for second it, right? Push for, yeah. And I, there were the, a long, long list of games that I remember on playing playing on PlayStation 1 were Platinum games. And I think PS2 had that window where they had a lot of re-releases that came out with horrible graphics and crap all over it. And yeah. It was the album artwork, not the album, the case artwork, but it was smaller and had big silver banners and things. Yeah, well, I mean, they're doing it now. They've got the PlayStation hits, right? Where most of the first-party games yeah. on PlayStation you can get for about 15 quid now. Hmm. I, I'm I'm still uh, I'm still playing Sonic Three and Knuckles from the Mega Drive. <laughs> so I'm playing that on Steam. So that's uh, that's you know having his forty fifth yeah. now. Yeah. Well, I mean, as soon as weirdly, I mean, as if anything more monotonous could be a thing. Apple pushed a, a patch to iPad where they go, "Cool, you can use the DualShock Four now." And I was like, "Awesome!" Download Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Sonic One, Two, Three, <laughs> Mega Man Collection. Mega Man Collection, you can't use the controller on. I was really upset about it. Like, but just that. Don't try and play that game with the touch controls. It's a nightmare. But like, just a little thing like that. All of a sudden, every other game. I went back and played GTA Three in Vice City um, on my iPad. That's mind boggling. That's mind boggling. You can do that on a phone. On a phone, Tom. How can you play on a phone? Oh no, no. I do on my iPad. I do on my iPad. Oh okay. But if you think like when I was a kid, I remember sitting there and being really sad on the bus waiting for GTA San Andreas because my mum had ordered it and it hadn't arrived yet. And now I can just open my iPad and just it's just there. Immediately, it's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, cool. So we will move on to. We'll start closing up. Start closing up slowly. But um, first of all, we've got our recommendations of the week. Cool. Um, so who wants to go first? Does anyone want to throw their recommendation into the ring first? Uh, I'll, I'll go first, only because uh, technically this is a bit of a lame recommendation in the sense that I haven't actually played the game. Uh, I'm recommending it because if I recommend it, it means I have to play it. It's been sitting on my Switch since, like, before I went on holiday. And uh, Untitled Goose Game is also getting co-op play. So it feels like now's the time to to to, to, to recommend it. Now, I really like Metal Gear Solid. I love the sneaking around. I love the whole stealth aspect of it, and I'm led to believe that essentially Untitled Goose Game is a stealth game in disguise. Uh, yeah. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I guess. It's just like, I really like Metal Gear Solid. My first thing was, just, where, where are you going with this? Stealth, stealth. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about stealth. Anyway. Like, it is. It is. It's kind of a stealth game. I played a lot of Untitled Goose Game. I thought it was really fun. It was really charming. There's nothing else out there like it. Like, it's such a good time. Well, we talk about design and, design like, and stuff yeah, in games. So that's a unique looking game um, for sure, it's, right? It's just the gift that keeps giving as well. Mm. Like, it, I think it came out initially... Then it came out on Switch, so I was like, cool. That's also a second wave second type. Win. Look at it. We're all talking about it. It's all tying in. To I it. feel like like for the next two years, there's going to be a Nintendo Direct, and then everyone's going to be going like, do we get a honk? Is there going to be a honk? <laughs> and if there's a honk, you know it's going down. But no, it's like, it is It is a stealth game. More than anything, it's just a run around accosting people game. Okay, um, well. Which is equally as fun. If you can do that with a friend, that just sounds amazing. Uh, I got really excited about it when they announced co-op. I was like, great, another reason to get back into Untitled Goose Game. And there you go. And that's, well, that's the reason it's my recommendation of the week. <laughs> Amazing. 
anything with um, anything you could do with a friend, and I'm down. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sounds good. Um, I will jump in briefly because I know that I want to have a chat with Matt about his selection as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get mine out of the way now. Um, so I've been playing a, a game called Music. Um, it's one that again was on Apple Arcade, so I played it on my iPad. I'm always looking for more stuff to play, kind of on iPad. Um, it's really weird. It's really experimental. It does kind of it has that monochromatic kind of low poly look that a lot of indie games have where it's not graphically intense but it's very stylized and mm-hmm. kind of built to be minimal um, and you're just this dude you wake up you're kind of going through life struggling with what you assume is a kind of cruddy day job mm-hmm. and as you go to work you get this sort of almost mini games this kind of hexagonal resource management kind of type mini game which is your day job okay you have to do that you have to do better at it to try and get money but no matter what you do it's looping you back to the situation where it's like, no, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how well you do at the game, you're still not going to be able to pay your bills. <laughs> and it just kind of loops you through that. And it is a little, bit, it's a little bit dark, a little bit depressing. <laughs> but as you start venturing around, you get these little sparks of colour and it's like m- these little moments of just really beautiful stuff. There's a really cool bit where initially you leave the building and you're just in work. And then the next day you wake up and you go out of the building and you're walking to work. But on your journey to work, the player's kind of moved from the player character over to this little kind of yellow glowing butterfly who's working through this like really grey drab world and okay. the, the sparks are really really pretty stuff um, and yeah I, I, I'm glad that it's sort of it's, it's one that I've been playing it's one that I wanted to bring for my recommendation the fact that we've had a conversation about the idea of doing things that are more stylized and a little mm. bit weirder and a little bit different that's exactly what I was talking about in terms of it feels like it's doing stuff that I don't think I've done um, in a game before I've, I've really okay. experienced and it also has a really fun little mobile so in the game, your character has a mobile game on his phone called Blipblop, and you can also oh, download yeah. that for your iOS device, and it is just <laughs> tapping a button. Like, you're just tapping a button on the screen for points, and that's it. That's all it is. Wow. Yeah, um, so it's really great. I really enjoyed it. All right. I um I asked about 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 it and um, a few people played it. They said it was really good. It was a little bit um it was a little bit flat, but to me it reminds me of um like Papers Please and, and Inside. Yes. Like put together yeah. those two Inside, together. Inside's a yeah. great game. It, it's a it's a lot yeah. like that in terms of a lot of what you're doing is kind of monotonous stuff, a bit like Papers Please, but it's it's there it, it's there to force you into monotony for a payoff. I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I totally get the kind of like Inside Limbo. You know what the play dead guys do. There's a lot of that in it as well. Maybe with yeah. little sparks of that kind of um, that game company, right? So things like Flower yeah. and Journey, where they manage yeah. to make colors pop and they manage to get moments out of color really mm. nicely. So it's kind of a blend of those two in the middle. Matt, what's your recommendation? My recommendation is uh, Hades, the uh, fourth game by uh, the Supergiant. Um, massive isometric massive fan of the supergiant uh, company in in general but this is their fourth out in i think after bastion pyre oh what was the transistor transistor that's the one yeah transistor and and then this one it's phenomenal honestly it, it's so it's a it's described as like a godlike rogue roguelike and it's just it's so um it's so much fun it's so classic it's it, the art style is perfect it has this heavy ink illustrative style to it it's so clean it's it's unbelievably voice acted the sound the the soundtrack in general is one of the very few soundtracks that i've taken from a game and actually listened to while i do do anything so, else wow. 
the soundtrack from Transistor is one that I go back. I, if I want to just sit down and relax and breathe for a little while, I'll just whack the soundtrack from Transistor and every time I'm taken away by it. To be fair, though, the entire Supergiant company, they, I know they have, um, uh, they have gigs on with uh, like the, the, lead, uh, the lead audio engineer and, and, and a few of the, um, I think the lead singer, which comes back, um, was in Bastion and comes back again and again, voiced uh, the, the woman in uh, the lead in Transistor, I think. So, yeah, no, they do, they do a lot with audio, but it's such a phenomenal game and it just got its Twitch, um, Twitch, Switch. <laughs> Switch trailer the other day, um, oh, which is like this flat one band anime um, tune shaded thing, which is like really um, admirable that they uh, put that much effort into releasing on the Switch. But that's because they got their version now because it was in beta for years and years, maybe two years, but now it's got the version one and it's coming to the Switch. Yeah. So like Hades is one that I remember seeing at E3 when they first announced it. And immediately I was like, amazing, super giant. It's like, it's coming to PC because it's in beta. And you're like, that's okay. I'm not going to be able to play it because I'm, I'm not a PC gamer, but that's fine. It'll get there, and I've just been waiting for a version of it to play. So I'm really excited to sit down with it properly. Transistor's I, one of my favourites. Uh, I think I played that on PS4, and then it came out on Vita, and I played it again on Vita, and then I'm playing through it bit by bit on my iPad again now. Transistor's amazing. Um, anything they do, I'm in. Talk, talking about games that completely slipped me by, they, these are... Uh, yeah, super giant games. I was like, does he mean super massive? Oh no, super giant games, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, um... I had the wall complete. I had no idea about any of these games, and now I'm looking at that. I'm just sorry. I've been looking oh, at this. I'm looking at the screen here, and I'm looking at them, going, "Wow, yeah, these yeah, kind of look, these look amazing." Bastion and Transistor are, are both incredible games. I love them both. Pyre, I, I never sat down. I might need to give Pyre some time because it's a little. It's very different, right? It's yeah, it is very different. Well. Yeah, it, it changed the perspective as well. And and the gameplay was described as like a sports game meets yeah, battle royale what, or something. That's what made me kind of go like, I think I'm okay. I think I can give this one a miss. Like it's one of those like I'm sure. Oh, this is going to be amazing for some people. I don't think this one's for me, which is fine. Which is totally it's com- obviously completely fine. I think it sold the least as well, and it wasn't for me as well. So I think they they, they reverted back to then um, their classic archetype. I think for yeah. for Hades, but Hades is just such a full, complete game. It, the, the, everything's so well balanced. It just reminds me of nostalgia. But then you've got this like clean wash of ink artwork. There, there's a lot of um, like Mike Mignola kind of Hades heavy ink. Yeah work on the side it's just beautiful everything's so stunning it it looks it looks beautiful now i i could be wrong first of all mike manola name drop i love it i think i recommended west of dead a while ago because it again again that's another one that's on my list yeah it it had a very sort of mike manola it's it's the more that i played a bit the more that i realized that i maybe discovered everything about that game in the first hour and there's not a lot (laughs) of legs to it but what i played was really good i think i could be wrong and I'm going to throw it out there just in case because I feel like he'll be upset if we don't mention it. But I'm pretty sure Ray, when he came on, uh, Ray from Perp, I think he recommended Hades at the time as well. And I think oh, it was yeah, either okay. just before or just after they announced the Switch version. Right. And it was one of those uh-huh. where I think Ray dropped Hades in and I was like, I've been waiting for this game and I think it's on its way to Switch and I'm really excited. And then you dropped it in again and I'm like, awesome. Like, I love <laughs> that this game is getting repeated repeated um, attention i'm just checking through our i'm pretty sure um but yeah because it, it was again it had just been announced for switch and that's always the thing i find i find that a lot where it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword i suppose because i don't know how long have you been playing it since it went out on beta uh, about a year now actually not a year, when it came a year, out wow yeah have you, have you seen a lot change over that year 
I have to be fair, they update so regularly. I, I think it's like once every two or three months or something. And for the content that they add, uh, for the team size that, it, that they are, what are they, like yeah. seven, nine, something like that? Yeah. Really not, no. And it's just a fantastic piece yeah. of work. I, t- I talk to the dev team on Discord quite a lot, and it's just... Oh, cool. It's so... It's, it's amazing, because I'm making an isometric game at the, at the moment, so very yeah. sort of inspired by, by everything they're doing. But yeah. it just deserves so much more. I know they got a lot of recognition, but just it's just it's too good. It's, I think the one that they have so well is they clearly they know how to sort of wrap their hands around a vision for what they want something to be mm. and then to just execute that with so little uh, compromise. I think yeah. like Transistor as a concept is so weird and bizarre to even try and grasp and it could only exist as an indie game. You know? And like some of the concepts and, and ways that you have to go around playing basketball and things. I don't think you could get past that in a AAA. Uh, they're a really great studio. I think watching the no-clip documentaries well, because they have about four of them on uh, four hour-long documentaries or 45 minutes on just Supergiant games on each one of their games, and that's finished. Oh, wow. Out. And I'm sure, actually, I think it's even longer because they did several for Hades, so that it must be several hours long of content. Yeah. But I recommend watching those. Very high production and just give me some more interest into that, the games. Yeah, Hades looks awesome. I'm, it's that thing. It's, it, for me, it's a little bit sad that I haven't been able to play it yet because it's been in beta on PC. But also, I'm only ever going to be putting my hands on on a what they deem to be a finished product, I suppose. Right? Yeah. So it's kind of an upside to that as well, I guess. I think the solution is to develop cloning to the extent where you can create a clone of yourself to do all the mundane stuff and then just play games all the time. Yeah. Obviously. If I can double down, I can have a version of one version of me that played through the beta, and then another one of version of me that played the finished product, and then I can get both those experiences. <laughs> I can then remold those into two people, and then have, so like have a, both those experiences. experiences yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll work on that. We'll work on that for the next podcast, shall we? It's that that and a cinematic release. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> easy. Amazing. So that's it for our recommendations of the week. Um, so it's entitled Boost Game, Mosaic, and Hades, um, and we're going to move on uh, to let this one take the reins. Ah, so we're sharing the big screen mode now. This is what I feel like I should like I should like slide out. Like this isn't my moment. Ah, uh, it's just fine. It's, what do I do with my hands? There's um. What do I do with my hands? <laughs> you, you just keep keep your hands where they normally are. What do you do? With it? What do you normally? What? 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 That, that's a deep cut. It's always sunny reference that I know. Oh, really? Right, okay. Yeah, we never watch it. Okay. Um, okay, so Arcade Vaults. We are back open, and we are slowly getting back to. Uh, I mean, it'll take time to get back to a full sense of normality, but we're, we're easing in this week with a few events. So, first event up this week um, is going to be, we're resuming the Games Wales uh, monthly meetups this Thursday. It is um, it's going to be limited numbers. We're limiting the, the, the number of uh, available slots just so we can keep social distancing to some degree in the space that we're in right now up here. Uh, so um, there is. Uh, we'll put a link in the in the in the description for this podcast. But you have to go onto this page and sign up before you come. You can't just turn up. You need to register on this page, and then you can come and try and socialise with other games. So Games Wales is back. If it goes well, we'll keep it going. Otherwise, we might adjust depending on how it goes. On that, I can't imagine anyone that listens to us normally haven't been to a Games Wales meetup, but do you want to break down what the Games Wales meetup sort of That's is? That's a very, very good point. Yeah. yeah, so Games Wales meetup. So Games Wales is an organisation that represents um, the, the games industry across Wales uh, informally. It's um, We do have some ties with uh, the Welsh government, 
uh, but it's mostly made up of independent developers. Matt has been to several uh, meetups, haven't you? Yeah, Matt? I think all, all of them, all of them. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> I tried. Um, yeah, it's it's a good way for people to network. So we have we is Wales wide at the moment. There is a bit of a Cardiff focus mainly because um, most of us who run it are volunteers. So there's not a lot of time, especially right now with things going on. Um, to organize events so uh, it's an opportunity to network meet other people who work in the industry not just developers but artists musicians uh, game designers uh, publishers all sorts of people who work in and around the industry within Wales and also from places outside of Wales so it's a really good opportunity there is a discord as well which we can post in the link if anyone's interested uh, in the description for this podcast uh, as the as a coordinator for the uh, Games Wales and also the owner of the Arcade Vaults, there's tend to be a bit of an overlap, which is why the uh, social meetups happen here in Cardiff. Um, that's kind of, yeah, that's yeah. A, bit of a summary. Yeah. Um, there is also some, there's also some action happening in, on the tournament side. Uh, so Smash, uh, Smash Ultimate Weeklies have moved to the arcade vaults um, on a trial basis. We're seeing how it goes. Uh, so again, those are also limited numbers. Uh, it's uh, capped at 16. It's organised by the Smash Wales uh, tournament organisers, who are great. Uh, we had a first trial event last Thursday. This week we're moving to Friday because Games Wales is here. And then next week it'll be back on Thursday. So that's kind of the pattern. It will always be on Thursdays, except for the last week of the month. And... Um, more information about that will also be in the description. And, and, <laughs> and next month we are coming back with a D&D adventure uh, one shot. Um, again, limited numbers. Dates will be confirmed very soon, but there will be D&D happening in the arcade vaults in this space. Is this like a hand the, hand it hand is hand actually, just actually go on your head. Uh, this is... This, oh my God. Yeah. There you go. This is the D&D dragon. That's uh, how committed, that's that's how committed, committed we are to D&D. Uh, it's, it's quite really good, isn't it? Impressive. It's really impressive, yeah. Um, it will be hanging on the wall there. You see you see this 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 here? This whiteboard that I'm trying to demonstrate here, that's, that's, the, uh, that, that's partly from the organisers of D&D events. But anyway, I'll digress. So D&D um, is back. Uh, some tournaments are back. There's also going to be one more last one. There's going to be the return of uh, fighting game uh, community night here uh, again. Just going to confirm the date. I'm pretty sure it's going to be it is next month. Uh, it will be up here in this space again. It's going to be similar in size to the weekly events in terms of we're going to have a cap at sixteen. Um, but it'll be great. There'll be lots of fighting games. Tekken 7 and... Is Tekken 7 latest? Yeah, it is, yeah. Tekken 7, yeah. Brain's gone blank. Um, probably some Mortal Kombat, maybe some Street Fighter as well. Um, yes. That's, that's it for the moment. Otherwise, we're still open. We're still welcoming people. Uh, we're last week of, uh, 50% off on Tuesday and Wednesday. That is... I was just about to be like, we still doing eat out to help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> still doing eat out to help out. That's uh, that's happening Tuesday and Wednesday this week, uh, and that's the last time that's going to be happening. And then uh, that's it, I think. 
merchandise. Merchandise. Um, merchandise. We still have all the new We still have merchandise. We still haven't quite got everyone to model it yet, but we are, you yeah. know, we will get some people modeling also, those. Also, if you're interested in the D&D &D night stuff, we've got some cool D&D &D stuff that we didn't have that we do. before we opened yeah. up. So. Lots of merch. Yeah. Yeah. So merchandise. Oh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Patreon is. Patreon. Still here. Still we, we will we, we'll, we'll kind of do a... A second wave. Yes. Oh, mini, uh, second wind. Uh, second wind. Second look wind. at that. Give that my uh, we'll, we'll kind of do a second wind launch of that uh, probably in the next month or so and kind of just reframe how we're uh, using the Patreon for so, the arcade box. It's an interesting time to sort of readjust and sort of... I think we set it up during the end of the world there for a little bit to kind of try and make sure that we stay active and things yeah. more than anything. But I think, yeah, reframing it and reshaping it to see what it looks like in the future and, and what we look like in the future and stuff is going to be a fun process but uh, keep mm -hmm. an eye out for that but yeah. as it is um, as you've become used to Patreon that's, that's still available and that'll be yep. in the link below as well and thank you to everyone who continues to support us on that yeah, it's really it helpful it means a lot it goes yeah. a long long way I think Patreon more than anything it's really enabled us to to get used to doing stuff like this which yeah, just, yeah. We, we didn't do before oh, Patreon's helped us with our various technologies yeah. to you know, all the little updates and stuff. Little updates. Are running on kind of a single microphone. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's <laughs> but, you all know. stuff that, that wouldn't have been there for us without Patreon yeah. initially. Absolutely, so. yeah. Yeah. Great. All right, and that's uh, the Arcade Vault system. It. Before yeah. we do go, where can people go to find you? Where can they find your work? Um, uh, firstly, thank you. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been, it's been lovely. Lovely talking about games. Okay. And um, <laughs> we can... <laughs> and yeah, they can find me. Um, it's Matt Sands Art everywhere basically twitter instagram uh youtube um that's about it i think yeah yeah right um you also you also talk in the discord uh, for games wells i believe for the uh you're fairly chatty I'm fairly, some of... fairly active yeah especially in yeah. the art uh, in the art categories yeah, yeah I, i'll have my say there yeah yeah so we'll, but uh, no, that was... go ahead sorry i'll say we'll make sure we link to that as well oh yeah yeah of course yeah cool all right cool Thank you very much. All right. This so now, now I'm going to do an outro for our podcast. I have not been on form today at all, guys. <laughs> it's okay. Like, we'll, 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 we'll fix this for next week. We'll, it's yeah. this new location. I don't like change. Yeah, it makes yeah, me nervous. It's fine. Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for, for, for keeping me in tow. All that's okay. Through. That's Thank always. You, Matt, again, um, go and check out Matt's stuff. Um, find us online on social media and everything else. Uh, and until next week, we'll see you soon. See you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye.